This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson vill jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, Carlson, Yes, welcome everybody to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the longest running fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys, one of whom currently has Eric Carlson on their cupful team. I am your host, Elon Dubrovsky, and with me, as always, the fantasy hockey robot, the poop prognostication, the IPP MVP, Brian Calm. Hello, Elon. Hello, everybody. And just to clarify, that person with Eric Carlson on their roster is you. And Elon, you actually have a bit of splaining to do on our so every time there's a trade that happens in the cupful you just traded for eric carlson every time there's a trade that happens we have a discord channel where people can choose which side won and so uh, you traded john Tavares for return of timo meyer and eric carlson and right now 84 percent of respondents say Tavares won the deal eight percent said you and eight percent said it was even and eight percent is one person so only one person thinks you won the deal one person thinks it was even so you have like a couple pity votes in there uh why why did you do this i'm an idiot clearly but <laughs> no the real reason is because the cacuffle tier one is hard and i actually was leading the whole division in points four going into this week but yet i had a five and three record and i went up against the juggernaut that's jeff good's team and he and Connor mcdavid who we're going to talk about first on the show like utterly destroyed me so now i'm five and four and i'm looking at my competition looking at the remaining three weeks i need to win the next three weeks or i'm out and next week john tavares only plays thursday and saturday and those are both busy days so by dropping or like dumping Tavares and getting two San Jose guys who play three times I'm gaining like a whole bunch of games so for me it was just a straight up like I think that this will help me next week and I'll regret it in the future but like you know I'm gonna let future Elon deal with that because I think if I lose next week against Ben from short shifts I think I'm out so you know lucky for Tom Crowhurst who got a good deal from me uh, I tried to talk to some other people about potentially trading Tavares, but yeah, we'll see how it works out. But hey, I like Eric Carlson. Timo Meyer's having a good year. And to be honest, John Tavares, he's great for sure. Like, I don't want to say anything bad about him. But as we'll talk about later in the show, he's not getting like the best deployment. He's not even on the top power play currently. So it's not like he's like as amazing of an asset as he was in, in previous years. So obviously, after this week, I'd prefer to have him over Meyer and Carlson. But yeah, that's what I did. Uh, thanks for bringing it up. 
They actually did briefly load the top power play last game uh, for Toronto on Saturday night. So they had Marner, Matthews, Nylander, and Tavares all on the ice together. For your sake, I hope that doesn't happen too much more often. I want you to feel good and happy with your decision. I mean, I don't care. Like, I I want Tom to have a win-win. Like, if if he could win the trade and I could win next week, I'll be very happy with that. Uh, also in the cupful, another, I'm sure people don't care about this. Like, get to the fantasy analysis already. But like, a couple, like top six teams in tier one make the playoffs. Everyone else is getting relegated. So I just need to make the playoffs and I'll figure it out from there. Oh, okay. Let's get into the content. Before we do though, uh, let's mention that we are presented by DauberHockey.com, the number one fantasy hockey website in the world. I love Dauber Hockey. Great articles. The ramblings. Some people like, just recently, like I referenced the ramblings and someone's like, oh yeah, I forgot about those. Like, what? Like every single day you're getting a recap of all the fantasy implications of everything that happened. Plus the tools at Frozen Tools are amazing. Amazing. So check it out, DauberHockey.com. And speaking of Frozen Tools, Brian, I think we've got a fun plan for this week's episode. There's a really cool feature on Frozen Tools, which is created by Eric Doust, uh, where it, you could get a list of like the hottest and coldest players in the league. And it's like, I guess, a secret algorithm. Like I don't even know exactly how it's decided, but it's a lot of just like, you know, it's not like all in the last 10 games. It's like some, I guess, algorithms that's deciding, okay, this person has 18 points in his last 14, so he's the number one hottest. This person has five points in his last three, so it's the number two hottest. So however it is, the player get ranked by who's on hot streaks and i was just thinking brian we could go through the top 20 hot players according to frozen tools and play a little sustainable or fleeting thing you know discuss if we think they're going to stay this hot or somewhat as hot and if they should be must owns across the league or if these are players that are about to fall off big time sustainable or fleeting a keeping carlson classic i am always up for a round of this, several rounds of this on the show tonight. So uh, let's get started. All right. So like I said, we are going to start with Connor McDavid, the number one ranked hot player according to Frozen Tools. This was yesterday, by the way. So it gets updated every single day uh, in case anyone's going to like tweet at us and be like, you know, actually Connor McDavid's number two now on the list. I don't know. Okay. But Connor McDavid yesterday was number one and for good reason. He had a goal and an assist in the game versus the Jets, bringing him to 20 points in his last nine games. Insane, right? Okay. 60 points in 34 games on the season. So that works out to 1.76 points per game, which has Connor McDavid at 145-82 game pace. If you actually work out his pace for just this season, the 56-game season, it's like just shy of him hitting 100 points. So that's going to be a fun race to watch, right? To see if Kenny Connor McDavid actually hit 100 points in this 56-game season. Uh, he's amazing. I don't even know really what to ask about him. I'm like, oh, do you think he's going to hit 100 points? I don't know if it's worth discussing that. I will say, though, that the lines in Edmonton are kind of interesting. Kyler Yamamoto has been out with an upper body injury, so others have gone back to that classic line of McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, and Pooley-Arvey, and Pooley-Arvey had an assist in that uh, 4-2 win over Winnipeg on Saturday. He also had a goal and an assist a couple games back versus Calgary. Brian, you know you know me, as always, I'm skeptical that it'll last, but I'd be looking to grab Pooley-Arvey at least for next week. He's got a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday schedule, so great schedule, great line. He even saw some time on the top power play. How can you not want Pooley-Arvey at least for a stream? For sure. You should stream in Pugliarvi. We've been talking about him all season long as someone who is in the position he's in, often on the top line in Edmonton since he worked his way up there after the first, what did it take, a month or so of the season. And while the points haven't come consistently, he looks good there in just about every way you want to measure, except on the score sheet. So maybe it's not all going to come this season, but from everything I see and everything I hear from my most trusted Edmonton sources, aka the people I follow on Twitter who are Edmonton Oilers fans that I really do trust. Like they've, they've earned my trust. They have credibility. Uh, Pugliarvi is legit and so could go on a run at any moment by virtue of where he is in the lineup and the fact that I don't think he's just coattail riding. Uh, I'm not sure 
how much, again, that this season that's going to translate to consistent production. But I definitely think that there's something there with Pugliarvi and something incredibly streamable when a schedule benefits you. And playing with McDavid, I mean, we've we've streamed much worse players playing with McDavid than Jesse Pugliarvi. By the way, Connor McDavid, I don't just want to skim past him. He's He's upped his game this season. He has career-high five-on-five scoring rates, and there's nothing unsustainable behind those or his power play numbers, which is wild, because Connor McDavid is on a 144-point full-season pace. We had this conversation, maybe it was a month ago already now, about how McDavid is just going crazy, and it all looks good, and the same, nothing's changed. It's amazing. His shooting and expected goal rates are back up to career highs that he set up, up back in his sophomore season. And uh, one fun fact about this season for McDavid, this is his first shot share positive season in three years, believe it or not. So way to go, Connor. Way to get back on the plus side of the Corsi battle and score 144 points over 82 games while you're at it. Wow. I think he's uh, pretty good. Okay, so good job for the Oilers uh, making the right choice of that number one pick way back when in 2015, I think it was. Okay, so Brian, if I may, and I know this is like a controversial thing to say around you, but uh, Mike Smith had a good game on Saturday. He stopped 29 of 31 shots in the win. His record is now 11 and 3, and he has a 921 save percentage on the season. So I know that, like, We've talked about before how Mike Smith has like gone on little runs before and he never could keep it up. But I'm wondering if maybe you have some newfound love for Mike Smith, like you recently found for the injured Jonathan Bernier, right? Like you used to always tell me how Bernier is not very good. And then over the past couple months or at least the last month, you've totally switched. You're like, Jonathan Bernier is great. You should add him in every league. It's too bad that he got injured, right? As I took your advice and added him in a couple of leagues. Uh, but now is Mike Smith going to be the new Jonathan Bernier? Are you going to be a Mike Smith convert based on what he's done for us this season? No, because Mike Smith hasn't been good for the last couple of years. While Jonathan Bernier has been serviceable, at least, Mike Smith has not been. But what can I say about his play now other than he's on a classic Mike Smith heater? We've seen this before. He goes crazy hot, and it can last a few weeks before it all comes crashing down. I'm not buying in that Mike Smith is a good goalie. I am buying in that Mike Smith is a hot goalie. And when a player's running hot, you might as well go for it, so long as you are bracing yourself for the eventual crash. Okay, so Brian's calling for the crash. Hey, it's not bad news, though, that if Connor McDavid's winning the Corsi battles, that just means Edmonton's maybe a better team than they've been in the past, so that could only help Mike Smith. You know, like a Minnesota goalie, how you always say they're more better protected, so even if they're not as great a goalie, they can still put up better fantasy numbers. I don't know. I feel like I don't want to... I feel like what you're saying is kind of like telling people if you have Mike Smith, like, trade him now because the crash is imminent. No, that, that's not even what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I mean, so, like, if you can trade him for someone really great, do it. But goalies are weird, and you might as well just ride it out until yeah, I'm with he you. burns out. Like, this is what this is what he does. Eventually, I think he's going to be a free agent by the end of your regular season. We'll see if I'm wrong. But if he does keep it up between now till the end of the year, that will be the longest run of fantasy relevance that Mike Smith has put up in a long time. Like, I can't say again. Well, I, I can. I'm about to. <laughs> How bad he's been for a couple of years. He's he's a goalie clearly in decline who has found a little bit of magic. And I don't know. I like I was about to say what I hope is his last season. Because Why? <laughs> I'm tired of talking about Mike Smith and all this stuff. He's old already. He's done. Uh, I mean, uh, clearly not. <laughs> yeah, clearly not. Exactly. 
All right. So yeah, I'm not going to disagree. I'm not even going to try to like argue with you about goalies because it's so hard to predict. But it's been nice for anyone who grabbed Mike Smith as a free agent when he came off the IR at the start of the year. And now you're getting you know 11 wins in the last 14 games, like I said. Okay, other Oilers, by the way, on this list on Frozen Tools for the hottest players, Tyson Barry slots in at number five with 12 points in his last eight games. Leon Dreisaitl slots in right after him at number six, 16 points in his last 10 games. So all the Oilers you expect it to be good, have been great. Yeah. That's really uh, that's really nice. Tyson Barry, by the way, uh, on a 72-point pace, including 34 power play points pacing for it, those numbers are in line with Barry's best season that he had in Colorado back in 2017-18. Uh, funny enough, that season and this season feature Barry's two highest on-ice shooting percentages of his career. This year, he also has this little jump in secondary assists at five on five. So what I'm saying is that Tyson Berry is having himself a great season. Good for him. That 72 point pace uh, probably isn't something you want to, you want to really commit to if you're going to try and project him going forward for the rest of the year or beyond. But it's still like once he regresses, he's still going to be doing just fine and uh, really, really curious to see what his payday looks like at the end of this season, how many teams are going to be bought in on him being this amazing, hard to find uh, power play quarterback, super offensive defenseman, or just if everybody's still gonna be like, yeah, but you still can't play great defense. So I'm very curious to see what the market is going to have to say about Tyson Barry. Yeah, I mean, all I know is he made a very smart career decision deciding to sign with the Oilers for this one-year deal. I feel like he's probably calling up Taylor Hall and being like, you dummy, you should have come to Edmonton. Or maybe like they only had room to sign one. So like, while Taylor Hall made a terrible career decision, and now he looks terrible in Buffalo, Tyson Berry is loving life over on the Oilers. All right, so let's go to number two on this list of Frozen Tools, hottest players right now currently in the NHL. And it is, I'm, I'm so excited to say this, Brian. It's Mika Zibanejad. It's number two. This is not just me deciding, oh, I just want to figure a way to shoehorn Mika Zibanejad onto the show. He's number two on the list. He had a goal and an assist in the 3-1 win over Washington on Saturday, bringing him to 10 points in his last five games. And it's been a weird five games, right? There was a two-assist game, then nothing, then that crazy three-goal, three-assist game, then nothing, and then that goal and assist game versus Washington that I just said. I'm also loving the three and four shot on goal games lately, the 21 and a half plus minutes in his last couple of games. Like, I actually uh, special guested, as I'm sure you heard, on the short shifts on Thursday and Lewis asked me if Mika is back to the old Mika and I was kind of hedging I was saying like like I would hold on to him like I don't think that he's worth like selling high on quote unquote but I doubt he's like as good as last year just because of one good game but I don't know I'm starting to feel like maybe I was wrong maybe I should have gone harder and just been like no Mika's back because he's looking really good over this last week I know you're excited and every Zubinijad manager should be. It'll let yourself get excited and feel good about this run that Zubinijad is <laughs> For on. For the next one minute before Brian tells you not to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not even, I'm not even going to knock him down a whole lot. I will say, sure. Okay. I'll just skip to that part then. Uh, in his last 14, while he's been on this run, Zubinijad at five on five has a 90% IPP shooting 20%, which like, okay, they're high, but they're not, I mean, it doesn't get much higher, but I'm just saying, like, I still believe that even when regression hits, he's still going to be doing well because, well, one thing you said, Elon, was those minutes are coming back. He's seen just fewer than 14 minutes a night over these last 14 days. Uh, and if you look at the whole season, he's still averaging barely 13 minutes a night on the whole year, like counting the entire season before these last Wait, two weeks. 13 well. minutes a night? You mean at even strength, right? Yeah, sorry. At even, okay. at even strength. So this season has gone really sideways for him. Like his ice time has just been 
miserable. And now, like, whether that's because of his capacity, like, health-wise to play, or what his coach was deciding, or some other factor, it's nice to see that he's got those five-on-five minutes back. Another positive sign that you mentioned, Elon Zvinjic, shots are back, and their danger level is also ticking upwards. In February, Zvinjic was on a stretch where he had just 19 shots in 10 games. In his last eight games, though, he has 29 shots, and that's back in that three-and-a-half to four-shot per game territory that we're so happy to see Zibanejad in last year. So there's lots of positive signs here. I'm not sure he's 100% back to the level you drafted him, hoping for him to be at, but Zibanejad is at least somewhere on the road towards it, which is a big, big win for anyone like you, Elon, who's just been waiting on him all season. And boy, if he can finally pick it up, if you've hung in there with Zibanejad on your roster and he's clicking just at the time you need him most, uh, you're going to be in real good shape if you've been surviving up until now. And then you have even like a 70 to 80% Zibanejad going for you. Yeah, I mean, so I famously turned down an offer for Pedersen and then had that offer come back to me again and I turned it down again and I felt really dumb for a while. But uh, now Pedersen, obviously it doesn't count because Pedersen's injured now and I couldn't have predicted that. But obviously right now I'm very happy that I held on to Zibanejad in the cupful. Okay, so other Rangers on this list are Temi Panarin, ranking number seven in the hottest players at 10 points in his last seven games. Pavel Buchnevich over at 13. Uh, he has 15 points in his last 10 games. He also had a goal assist on Saturday playing with Zibanejad. Zibanejad, though he's a little bit worse because he's not on the top power play like Mika is. But Buchnevich is someone who's as a free agent in a lot of my leagues a few months ago, like even a few, maybe one month ago. And I actually added him a couple of times in one league and kept adding him and dropping him. I remember a friend of mine like was making fun of me, being like, man, you're always just adding and dropping Buchnevich. And man, I made a mistake that last time I dropped him because he is super amazing now. Okay, Brian, so should I go to number three on the list? Well, I was going to comment quickly on Buchnevich before you did. Please. Like, in his last 14 days, he's also got a 90% IPP like Zibanejad, and his shooting percentage is even higher at 25%. So like Zibanejad, seeing a lot of friendly variants at 5-on-5. That said, like, I'm not about to say sell high quickly on Buchnevich while you can. I still think he's for real. Remember all the time we spent, Elon, thinking Buchnevich is for real and just waiting for him or waiting for his coach to give him a better opportunity than he'd gotten to that point. He used to get on the top line randomly for one or two games, get bumped maybe before a game even ended at an inconsistent power play role. And now that's all there for Buchnevich. So maybe he's not a point per game guy, but I think 65 points is a safe starting point for him to be projected for the rest of the season. And uh, like, especially when you compare it to him being a 55-point guy with a lot less opportunity last season, I would start at 65 rest of the season. I'd be open to him being a mid-70-point pace the rest of the year. He just seems really, really good, and he's finally, finally sticking in a great place in the lineup. Yeah, it's like you've been a big fan of Buchnevich for years and years, so you must really love to see him breaking out like this, having a great time on that line with Sabanjet and Kreider. Okay, next up, number three on Frozen Tools' most hot NHL players, we've got Mark Stone and the number four, Max Pacioretty. So a couple of Golden Knights. Why'd you laugh there? Just like, was that too shock jock for your liking? Well, I love, I, like, I love the intro each time. Also, it, it came to me, it's not why I laughed, but it came to me after that the superlative for most hot, there's actually a word for that. It's hottest. Oh, I apologize, Brian. What do you say? The su- superlative, not superlative? superlative? 
<laughs> I like oh. how you're correcting me, then you like make up a word pronunciation right. that no I one just, uses. I just didn't want to make you feel too bad about yourself. Okay, I appreciate that. Thank you. Okay, so yeah, Mark Stone, 18 points in his last 10 games. That's going into today. So the Golden Knights are actually playing right now. They're in the third period. They're getting shut out 2-0 by LA. So that's surprising. <laughs> Good job, Cal Peterson, so far. Okay, so... Mark Stone, 18 points in his last 10. Max Pacioretty, 9 points in his last 5. Though, we've got breaking news on Max Pacioretty because he's not in the lineup today for the Golden Knights. I don't even know if you saw that, Brian, but like uh, apparently he was held out kind of like a last-minute thing. I didn't even, I wasn't even able to move him out of my roster on one of my leagues where I have him, so it was very frustrating. But yeah, he has a lower body injury, and I guess we don't know anything right now. So definitely, once you listen to this episode, I'd probably pause the episode and go check out NBC Sports Edge, formerly known as Roto World, and see if there's any updates on Max Pacioretty. Uh, but before the injury, anyways, he was hot. So was Mark Stone. It's pretty wild that Pacioretty, by the way, was a 50-point guy for a couple seasons before breaking out for that 76-point pace last year, only to now like blow that number out of the water this season with 30 points in 28 games so far. That's an 88-point pace. He's currently ranked 8th in our couple league scoring, so that's, you know, mostly focused on goals and assists, and like, but also really benefiting from his shots. Uh, so yeah, Pacioretty, like, a great steal in drafts this year, because I think, if anything, you were thinking, okay, maybe he'll stick at that 76 point pace probably even regress a little bit but i don't know if anyone's expecting him to like jump up again maybe correct me if you if i'm wrong and you were thinking that uh of one other person that's really been benefiting from playing with these two stone and patcheretti is chandler stevenson who was on a run of nine points in eight games before he missed a couple of games with an undisclosed injury uh then he now he's back of course patcheretti's out of the lineup so that line is changing but still uh chandler stevenson only 22 percent rostered on yahoo he's 100 percent rostered in the cupful but in other non uh, keeping Carlson leagues, you could probably find Chandler Stevenson in your free agent list. Uh, I got to admit, Brian, I was wrong about this guy. Like going into the season, I figured it would be like Cody Glass probably taking a top six C spot. And I thought even if Stevenson was there, he wouldn't do anything with it. Because last year, he also had a run of being in a good spot, but never really produced. But Stevenson's up to a 57-point in 82-game pace and rising right now. That's before today. Do you think that Chandler Stevenson can keep this up rest of the way if he sticks playing with Stone and Pacioretty? Yeah, I do. He can't be ignored at this point. Can you believe we've we've been through this before when we've talked about Chandler Stevenson, but Vegas got a first line center for their purposes. Like he's not a first line center on any team, but he's uh, the right complementary piece. Clearly, if we stone and Pacioretty, they got him for basically free. They spent a fifth rounder on him. And like for an expansion nice. team, they've actually we've gone through this before too, but they've assembled their whole first line. Through acquisitions, right? Mark Stone, they traded Eric Brandstrom for uh, the centerpiece anyway. The centerpiece uh, for Pacioretty was Nick Suzuki and Chandler Stevenson, a fifth rounder. So if you can trade a deep pick and two prospects for one of the best first lines in the league, I say you do it. So way to go, Vegas, for finding, uh, for knowing maybe that you don't need a stud top line center. If you have Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone, you need a guy who can do the right things for them in those contexts, win a few draws. So, uh, so yeah, and that's why I like Chandler Stevenson there. He's kind of like a boring fantasy roster because, you know, he doesn't fill a whole lot of categories. And when he's not in on those goals, he's not in on a whole lot. But uh, he's also can't be forgotten with the production he's put up consistently this season. And you mentioned Pacioretty, Elon, and I just want to remind people that we went deep into Pacioretty's season last year. And the the TLDR of it is that Pacioretty basically reinvented his game to reach career highs at age 31 in his second year in Vegas. And now Pacioretty has maintained those highs this year, right? The big question was, okay, he reinvented himself at 31. 
is it actually something he can keep up? And the answer, based on the data so far this season, is yes, Pacioretty has been able to sustain that crazy year where he reinvented himself. And I really do believe nearly everything I see from Pacioretty this year, the difference between last year's 76-point pace and this year's 88-point pace for him, though, is in his on-ice shooting percentage, which was 8.5% last year, 12% this year. Maybe somewhere in the middle of those two numbers is reasonable. So, uh, like, that's a a point-per-game player who, by the way only has five power play points in 28 games, which isn't obscenely low, but uh, it's low. Like I would, if you asked me to guess over under six power play points for Max Pacioretty this year, I would have taken the over before I looked that up. So, um, you know, considering that maybe he'll get another extra uh, couple power play points and maybe a couple fewer of the shots taken while he's on the ice are going to go in. I think that washes out to still being able to expect about an 80-point pace for Max Pacioretty the rest of the season. So long as he's healthy, get well soon, Max. Yeah, and if anyone's curious, with Pacioretty out of the lineup today was Alex Tuck, who jumped up to play with Stevenson and Mark Stones. That'd be great for Tuck, but obviously let's wait and see what happens. Also, they're losing. They're getting shut out right now, so you could imagine maybe the lines would get shaken up if Pacioretty's out longer term. Uh, By the way, welcome back Robin Leonard, who came back after missing all those games with a concussion, stopped 23 of 25 in the win over LA on Friday. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury in the net today, and it's definitely not his fault that the Golden Knights are losing. He's having a great game himself. Uh, So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the starts will be allocated the rest of the way I was pontificating I think it was just on the short shift show that I feel like it's going to be a 50-50 thing which isn't great for Flurry, but it's great for the Golden Knights who now have these two amazing goalies to go into their playoff run very good news for the Golden Knights and this is their plan right they I mean okay if you ask Flurry's agent the plan was to, I don't know kill him so Robin Lehner could play uh, but I think in the best case scenario now that Vegas is stuck with both these guys, quote unquote stuck, because I, I'm pretty sure they did want to offload Flurry, they can have them both going. That's great news come the playoffs. And I think that's why we're still, even though Flurry has been so great, I think it still could go 50-50 between Laner and Flurry the rest of the season. I Right now, I would say 60-40 Flurry until the door maybe opens a little bit for Laner. And it could swing back the other way to be 60-40 for Lane or two. I, I just expect the Vegas goaltending situation to have some very possible fluidity, which is really not staking a claim to anything at all. I just, I just think that the Golden Knights are going to want both their goalies to have gotten enough games in recently when the playoffs do roll around. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that is a claim to make. It's like, don't get confident with goalie starts in Vegas because it might okay. jump around a lot for the rest of the year. Thank you. Uh, so you're doing a great job. Okay, so also on this Frozen Tools list for Vegas, we've got Shea Theodore slotting in at number 11, nine points in his last six games, again, going into today where it looks like he might get shut out. He's probably going to have a huge finish to the season, right? Like Petrangelo's on the long-term IR, so Theodore's going to get all the offensive deployment, and he's clearly enjoying that opportunity very much. By the way, Brian, I believe we made a bet at some point on Alec Martinez after he got traded to Vegas. If you recall, last season, he gets traded to Vegas at the deadline. He went on a great run. I was like drooling about him. Like, oh man, this is great. Like Martinez now on this offensive team. I think he's going to be great, like moving into next year. And so far, like he is looking really great. He's having an amazing season. He has 16 points in 28 games. And he's not even necessarily supposed to be like an offensive guy on this team. Like I think he's supposed to be a responsible defensive player. He's always been great in fantasy for all of his blocks. But this season, like I said, 16 points in 28 games. It's a 47-point pace if he were to play 82 games. That's after a two-assist game versus LA on Friday. Brian, do you think that Martinez can keep this up? And is it like the case that Petrangelo being out gives him a boost as well? Just because there's you know more offense that needs to go to more defensemen? I guess regardless, I'm just curious to know how much you believe in what we've 
seen from Martinez so far. That's an interesting take that Martinez benefits from Petrangelo being out. I'm not sure if I buy it, but uh, there's no denying that either way, Alec Martinez is having a good season. Yes, we did make a bet about this. We set the over-under at 39.5 points for Alec oh, Martinez nice. this season in an 82-game, like over an 82-game pace. And uh, for the record, his career high point pace was 39 points and was mid-30s uh, when Martinez was with the Kings for their cup-winning heyday. So I, I don't think it was an awful bet to make, obviously. I, I still don't. Like, I'm not regretting it. I can look back at the numbers and be like, yeah, I, I see why I made this. I know I know he moved to Vegas and the situation was different, but even on a, I, I guess he was never like those Kings teams he played for were super defensive. So there were, le- there was less offensive opportunity. Um, yeah. Alec Martinez has as many power play points as Max Pacioretty this season, by the way. So that's helped him in half the amount of power play minutes. His on ice shooting percentage is also uh, around 11%, which is high. Um, I guess those are both reasons why I think Alec Martinez has overperformed some to this point, but I think you look like you're in pretty good shape over the rest of the season to win this bet. You need him to get to 27 points over 56 games, so he needs 11 more points in the remaining 28 games. I think I'm still in this bet, but barely. That would mean, you know, less than a half point per game pace the rest of the way, which seems like I wouldn't take that bet if you asked me today. Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I think you're going to win this one, but I'm holding out hope that my pride can at least, they can still at least be close. Okay, well, I think most people just care about that, the fact that you're saying you do think it's fleeting, and so maybe he won't keep this up. But either way, you didn't draft him as a 47-point guy, or you didn't add him to be this. So, like, this is a bonus with the peripherals that you're getting. So, yeah, great season and great acquisition in fantasy. Alec Martinez. Brian, what do you have a better chance in winning, this bet or the Evgeny Dadanov? like, what was it, 50-point pace moving forward bet? He got two points in those first two games after he made that bet. Now it's like four pointless games in a row. I'm I'm waiting for another five before you just call this. Yeah, okay. I, I think I have a better chance of winning the Dadanov bet. I really okay. do. Although Alec Martinez, after today's game, uh, assuming that it ends without him getting a point, down to a 45-point pace. Oh, no. So, you know, things change quickly. That's true, that's true. But that's still really great for anybody who has him at like on their roster. I think rest of season, it's still safe to expect a 40-ish point pace would be nice for Martinez. Could be as low as 35 points. Uh, but yeah, you, you keep him on your roster. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, two shots today for what it's worth. <laughs> One way in, we'd be having a whole other conversation. Let's spend okay. the whole rest of the episode just, <laughs> just like Martinez. snipping back at each other with like one one small point in our favor. <laughs> well, for a game that's not even over yet. Yeah. <laughs> And so, Brian, speaking of bets, why don't we just take a quick break and thank a sponsor for this week's episode of Keeping Carlson, our friends over at MyBookie. Yeah, we should absolutely thank MyBookie. And thank goodness March is here, right? The weather's changing. I spent almost all weekend outside. It was beautiful. But many of you might have also spent it inside watching the March Madness, which has officially begun. And it's time for you to also shoot your shot and score big on the nonstop action with my bookie. Select the winners from tournament games on my bookie. It doesn't matter whether you're filling out multiple brackets, betting the national championship winner, or simply looking for player and game props. Like if you didn't fill out a bracket, you don't have to worry. You could go game by game at a time. My bookie has you covered. All you need to do is sign up today at mybookie.ag and use the promo code Carlson, like in our show name, to secure a deposit bonus up to $1,000. And make sure you use our promo code so they know we hooked you up. That's promo code Carlson to claim your first 
deposit bonus. College ball, NHL, NBA, no matter the sport, no matter the minute, MyBookie puts the action in your hands with in-game live betting and with choice from thousands of lines and odds, you can turn any game day into payday. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. And when you do, please head over to responsiblegambling.org for some great tips on how you can make sure to play responsibly. Thanks so much, Brian. Thanks, my bookie. I'm taking a look at their Stanley Cup winning odds right now. Brian, you could put $1 on the Ottawa Senators to win the Stanley Cup. If that hits, you would win $200,000. So I'm what do you still think? not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Take that deposit bonus. What was it? Up to $1,000? But $1,000? You could have like $20 million if you get that bet right. <laughs> All right, so Brian, we've got a lot more to come through. We've done eight of the top 20 hottest players in the NHL. We'll get to the rest in just a sec. So you're listening to Keeping Carlson. Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, welcome back. We were talking about Alec Martinez. Let's talk about another defenseman. Number nine on the list of the hottest players over on Frozen Tools is Philip Hronik. Yeah, the Wings got shut out by Hudobin in Dallas on Saturday, but still, Hronik has one goal and seven assists in his last six games. We already talked about him, actually, on the Short Shifts episode on Thursday. Uh, we talked about uh, Hronik in the context of our Ghost Disbenched episode, and Lewis asked me who I would take between Hronik and Gostisbehere. That was before the third game in a row where Gostisbehere got sad. And I said I would take Heronic. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. Like right now, he's looking good, right? He's, he's on the top power play. It's weird that that top power play on Detroit has Larkin, Zadina, Rasmussen, and Ernie, and not Mantha, who's on another unit with Fabry, Gagne, Bobby Ryan, and Dennis Chalowski. At least that's how it was on Saturday. I feel like Blashill should change it. Brian, am I like a brilliant genius here? If I were to propose that he put Larkin, Zadina, Mantha, Fabry, and Heronic. I think that should be the top power play. You would be a genius. You'd be every Detroit Red Wings <laughs> fan and fantasy manager as well for the last m- several months. You'd be doing exactly what they're doing. I guess, yeah. I don't know like what Mantha's doing to not get a spot there. Probably similar to what Goss's Behar is doing to get benched. But speaking of Heronic, yeah, so he's only 27% rostered on Yahoo. Was even a free agent in a couple Tier 1 Sweden for a couple days before getting added last week. Brian, how dumb was I for not jumping all aboard the Heronic train when I had the chance? 
So I don't think you were that dumb because before this run, Ronick had just 10 points in 26 games and, and had zero fantasy appeal. You're not the only one kicking yourself now, I'm sure. And this recent run has come on the heels of a 90% points participation rate. And I'm not sure that anything of substance has changed for Hironic aside from that friendly variance. It's nice to see Hironic go on a run and he's got an outside shot at being like a 40 point defenseman the rest of the way, especially if he holds this straight up power play one deployment, which he seems to have earned back these last couple weeks for the first time since having a glimpse of it at the start of the year. But all this to say it could go poof, very quickly. And as you mentioned, these power play one, like quote, power play one lines or however they're being decided in Detroit aren't necessarily logical or reasonable. So I just don't know that any unit is going to have a lot of success with or without Hronik on it. So don't go beating yourself up too much if you missed out. This was a really nice little run for him, but I don't expect it to be the norm the rest of the way. Okay, that's fair. So maybe grab him if you have room for him next week. See if he can get back going after Detroit got shut out in the last game. But yeah, I think I agree with you that he's not a like super sure thing. Uh, another guy I brought up before on this show was Jonathan Bernier, who was on that incredible roll before getting hurt at the end of the game versus Dallas on Thursday. Here's a quote from Bat- Blashill yesterday. He said, no further update on Jonathan Bernier. It's a soft tissue lower body injury. He's still day to day. So... That's really a bummer, right? First off, like, assuming he's going to come back at some point, or I guess we don't know, but regardless, would you say that Bernie is a clear add in stash if he's available and people have room in their IR? I know you mentioned some other player last week. I think it was Yussi Saros, who would have been a really great add in stash while he was hurt. Why not? Just like, if you have the room, just go grab Bernie now, put him in your IR, and you can figure him out later. There's no argument against it. And even if Bernie was healthy... I'd still be telling you to find a way to add him. The week I pumped his tires and was trying to like come through with this Jonathan Bernier is a really valuable fantasy beast. That ended up being the worst week of Bernier's season, but I haven't lost faith and neither has Bernier in himself. He bounced back since then. I'm still as high on him now as I was then. Of course, the big caveat here is don't expect a lot of W's from Jonathan Bernier, just a lot of shot volume and a decent save percentage. Okay, yeah. So I agree. Like at this point, grab him. We'll figure it out later, right? We don't even know when he's going to be back. And in the meantime, is there any interest in Thomas Grice with Bernier on the shelf? Like I'd imagine he's going to play a lot. He did okay on Saturday. He stopped 30 of 33 in that 3 nothing loss. But he has a really rough looking 885 save percentage on the season. Uh, he's on Detroit, which isn't a good team. Like, I don't know, Brian, but like, sometimes it's hard to find a volume goal, and Grice might just be that with Bernier on the shelf, but I just wonder if you have any confidence in him being capable of doing anything for anybody. I'm shaking my head for anybody watching this on YouTube. No, I have no confidence in Grice being that valuable. 38% quality start percentage, and just to put that in more concrete terms, Grice has had a save percentage of 9, 10 or higher in just three of his 14 starts this season. Heck, He's had a save percentage of just 900 or higher in seven of 14 starts. Half his 14 starts, Grice has had a save percentage below 900, which is just trash. And until he can do anything reasonably well in a reasonably consistent way, I have no interest in bringing him on my roster just to blow up my week. 
Okay, so there we go. I cannot disagree. If, unless your league counts saves and you're like already losing save percentage anyways, <laughs> then maybe you like go grab him. That's probably sure. all he's going to be good for. Yeah. Okay, so next up, we got Patrick Kane on this list. So yeah, like I said, like I don't know exactly how Eric coded this, but it sort of just tries to find like the most recent stretch of hotness and then present that as like the hot streak. But for Patrick Kane, it just has 35 points in his last 24 games. So basically, just, just there hasn't been a lull for him to put a demarcation point. He's just been good all year long nothing to say about him we've talked about Patrick Kane a lot in the year he's good so uh, that's not a surprise next up uh, Jacob Voracek shows up on the list this is a guy who I I don't know like he's been available like Dave Benton in tier one a couple has been throwing him out as like trade bait not even asking for much I probably should have bit because he's been really good lately he had a couple multi-point games in a row versus Washington and the Rangers and then scored a goal versus the Islanders on Thursday to bring him to six points in four games uh, no points and only one shot in the 6-1 loss to the Islanders on Saturday and he also has only one shot in each of his last three games so that's not looking so great for the like most most recent past but still on the season Voracek sits at a 69 point pace which is exactly where he's been actually for the last couple of seasons so Brian is there any reason to think anything will change rest of the way or is he just like a solid bet to be a 70 point guy or something around there super solid Jacob Voracek as you said 67 and 69 point pace the last two years before this one now he's on like a 70 ish point pace again before that those last two years before this one Voracek ping-ponged between 60 and 80 point seasons I could dig for days and not be able to come up with a reason to not expect Jacob Voracek to once again be a 65, 70-point guy this season with upside for more, and frankly, uh, one of the least heralded guys who can get you 70 points in a season, give or take five, in the entire NHL. Everybody forgets about Jake. Yeah, he's been really good. I guess he's not so great for those shots, which makes him always, you know me, Brian, I turned down a potential of getting Nicholas Backstrom instead of Timo Meyer in that trade we discussed. And my reason was just, I just don't love these guys who don't take a lot of shots just because when they don't get a point in the game, they don't give you anything. But Voracek, just like Backstrom, have been giving so many assists that you haven't been worried about a low number of shots. Okay, by the way, on Philly, similar to Max Pacioretty, Sean Couturier last minute didn't suit up for the game for Philly on Saturday. Uh, the latest is just like he's being evaluated. According to the Flyers, they expect to have an update on his status on Monday. So it could be rough news. Like, Sean Couturier is a huge part of this team. This is a team that already has struggled, as we know, this week with that crazy loss to the Rangers. And they got killed again on Saturday without Couturier by the Islanders. Uh, so in his absence, like, honestly, I'm not even going to tell you the lines because it's like it was a last minute thing. And also they got killed in that game. So I would check out what the Philly lines are if you're curious to see like if there's any interesting shuffling going into next week, depending on Couturier's status. Yeah, for sure. And also, like, it could be bad news for some flyers, too. Like, you could see someone might be getting more opportunity, but I am uh, pretty worried about what it might mean for Travis Konechny, who did absolutely nothing without Sean Couturier, and since then has found uh, a new life lately. Not the most consistent scorer, but he's got 10 points in his last 10 games, and I do attribute a lot of that to just having his centerman back. So I am pretty concerned about his fantasy relevance going forward if Couturier is out for any amount of time. So basically you're saying if it turns out that Couturier is out long term, trade uh, Travis uh, Konechny if you can. Yeah. And do it quick before Philly plays any more games because it's not like it's going to it's going to go down quickly. Oh, no. OK, yeah. well, 
hopefully Couturier is fine, just like Pacioretty. Okay, next on the list, Shea Theodore. We already talked about him. Then we've got Miko Rantanen. This is like a fun episode, Brian, because we get an opportunity to talk about some of these star players that we normally don't talk about because they're not available. But I'm trying my best to fill in with some uh, somewhat actionable advice for the people listening. There, least we have Rantanen. We've got to talk about him. His goal in the 6 nothing takedown of Minnesota on Saturday brought him to 25 points in his last 17 games. And by the way, one thing that's really impressed me is there was that stretch where Nathan McKinnon missed three games a couple weeks back, and Ranton had two goals versus Anaheim and an assist versus Arizona during that time with McKinnon out. I've always kind of wondered if McKinnon sort of is helping Ranton to look like more of a superstar than he really is. Like, I've never thought Ranton isn't a good player, obviously, but I've always wondered if, like, maybe he's riding coattails a little bit, or obviously he's just, like, getting a lot of points just because he plays with McKinnon both at even strength and on the power play, but clearly he's great with or without Nathan McKinnon. So, there you go. Uh, Miko Rantanen, he's awesome. And good for him being on the streak. Currently hotter than even Nathan McKinnon. Uh, some more good news for the Avs, aside from Ranson being so amazing, is they finally got Kale McCarr back in their lineup on Thursday after he missed almost a month. He had no points but six shots in the 5-1 win over Minnesota on Thursday. And then he had a goal and assist in the 6 nothing win over Minnesota yesterday. Man, Colorado really had some fun with the Minnesota Wild. Uh, so that gives McCarr 16 points in 17 games on the season. So he's just picking up right where he left off. He's so good. And like other defensemen on Colorado are so good. Like Bone Byram... So he's like, you know, in the future, he'll be really good. But he also returned on Thursday. Couldn't get in on any of the 11 goals in the past couple of games. It seems like he's probably a year away, at least, from being fantasy relevant. But I imagine he has a huge future. But regardless, Devon Taves scored yesterday, bringing him to eight points in his last nine games. We've already been raving about Sam Girard all season. Ryan Graves has three assists versus the Wild in those last couple of games. Uh, three shots and three blocks yesterday. So Graves is slowly but surely becoming that Perifs guy that sometimes gets a point that we saw last year. Brian, have you ever seen it? team with so many fantasy relevant d-men before like there's only one guy in the top six that i haven't mentioned yet and i'll bet the listeners will never be able to guess i bet you most listeners have no idea who the sixth person is on the colorado blue line you know with eric johnson out so i'll give you a second to try to guess Okay, here it is. It's a 27-year-old named Jacob McDonald. So he definitely stands out compared to Makar, Byram, Taves, Girard, and Graves. But man, Brian, this list so good. I've never seen anything like this. Hey, Elon, let's uh, let's remember that Greg Patterin and Dan Renouf are also back there putting time in on the Colorado. I don't know oh, what I'm of saying. Course. I, I have nothing actually to add here. They played 18 games combined, those two guys. Uh, they're no Jacob McDonald. That's, I don't know. I assume that spot rotates fairly often. (laughs) But okay, the point that you're making is there is a lot of fantasy relevance on that Colorado blue line. uh, And it's a great point. It's a, it's a great place to, to do good things. Colorado's looking great, like so good. I feel like they have both sides of their game figured out. And I can't wait to see what they can do in the playoffs with Philip Grubauer, who is, can we even rely? I'm not going to reprise that. Don't stop that. He's he's doing just fine. Yeah, he's good. He's good, everybody. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, Colorado. Yeah, I'd be curious to know, actually. Tweet at us at Keeping Carlson if you could think of a team that had five fantasy relevant defensemen that you'd consider rostering all at the same time. That is a uh, rare territory in my long history as a fantasy hockey podcaster. Okay, next up on the list is Pavel Buchnevich, who we've discussed. And then at number 15, Alex Ovechkin. So nice to see. So he had no points, but six shots in the 3-1 loss to the Rangers on Saturday. But before that, six goals and one assist in his previous five games. So nice to see Ovi scoring again, just like the Ovi of old after such a slow start to the season in the goal department. He's currently sitting seven goals behind McDavid and Matthews. They each have 21. Ovi has 14 now. 
probably he's not going to catch them, right? Like, I'd love to see Ovi just go on a huge tear and even catch these guys and have a shot at the Maurice Richard trophy again. But, like, those four games being suspended, like some missed time plus a cold stretch. Unfortunately, it's not looking great. But if anyone can surprise us, I feel like it's Ovi. So I wouldn't totally count him out. I wouldn't count him out. But Ovechkin's job of catching McDavid or Matthews would be a lot easier if they weren't that good like as good as they are right it's not like they're looking into the goals they're scoring they're legit I I I think the the question would be can Ovechkin keep within seven goals of them can he hold that gap and even if he can I don't care if he doesn't close it I I think the amazing thing is that Ovechkin might be able to just stay that close to them the rest of the way and that would be a big win anyway do you remember Ilana, a couple weeks ago I made the case that Ovechkin might be like you you laughed at me because he's having a great season I was like you might be able to buy low because he's not quite performing up to expectations um there was no actual buy low window but I said if anybody was starting to panic about his scoring don't worry it's going to come back And then Ovechkin went out and scored six goals on his last 27 shots to make me look good for going out on that limb of saying that Al Ovechkin (laughs) is going to score more goals. Yeah, you were a brilliant genius that day, and Ovechkin has made you look good. Like, he's looking good, but Brian Com, you're the real star of this recent hot streak by Alex Ovechkin. <laughs> All right, so next on the list, we talked about how Minnesota was getting destroyed by Colorado over the weekend, but that did not stop Matt Zuccarello from still showing up on this list of the top 20 hottest players, according to Frozen Tools. Even when getting massacred by Colorado, Zook still got in on the one wild goal, and he now sits at 20 points in 18 games on the season, and seven points in his last six games he's obviously enjoying getting to line up with Kaprizov at even strength and on the power play looking at Yahoo like Zook is now rostered in 47% of Yahoo leagues and obviously climbing quickly are you at a point I'm curious like I want to get a general vibe check on Zuccarello is he the kind of guy yeah obviously you should roster him if he's available like you'd be crazy not to unless it's like a super shallow league but are you at a point where like even if let's say he goes cold for a couple of games you'd be like no no this guy's good like is he like back to the Zook of old where like we knew he was going to be a solid producer for the rest of the way or does he still have to earn even more confidence from you before you'd even hold him if let's say he goes pointless for the next couple games a couple games of pointlessness from zuccarello i'll deal with i i'm surprised it hasn't happened yet frankly i added zuccarello myself to my couple team expecting him to be like a one and done and a month later still on my roster and there's one big reason why and the reason is that Matt Zuccarello has been on the ice for 20 goals this season. He scored five of them himself. He was the primary assist on 10 of them. And he was the secondary assist on five more. Which means if you're doing the math in your head, that Matt Zuccarello has been on the ice for 20 goals. And he has picked up 20 points on those 20 goals in all situations, which gives him a 100% points participation rate, aka IPP, which is not going to hold But here's the thing. You're asking me, like, what do we do and how soon do we jump ship on him? I don't think you jump ship on Matt Zuccarello. I think you run out the streak. Uh, You could try and sell high, but I don't think anyone's going to buy high on him. Honestly, if Zuccarello can hold to be a 60 or higher point pace player the rest of the way, I think Obviously, that makes him worth holding, and I think that's something he's capable of, especially because he's on that snake-bitten Minnesota power play, so he's not getting a whole lot of points from there while he's doing so well. So yeah, I'm not ready to overlook Zuccarello as, or, like, as being just a random hot streak 
And I'm not going to forget that Zuccarello could be a legit rest of season hold even once the run wears off. So if you're asking me how many games of pointlessness it would take me to grow very impatient with Zuccarello, well, one other factor here is Minnesota has one of the better schedules the rest of the season in terms of games played. Depending on your roster composition, you might not have room for him on all your off nights, but there's a lot of games remaining for Minnesota, and Zuccarello's in a good place on the depth chart. And like you said, we've known that he has the capacity to be a reliable 60-point player. This could be the right situation for him. So I just don't think you should be too trigger-happy on the drop button. If you do see him cold for two, three, even four games, I would deal with. Yeah, plus, you know, these last couple of games were against Colorado, and Minnesota clearly just couldn't match up to them for whatever reason. Their next three games are against Anaheim and then St. Louis. So obviously St. Louis is a tough opponent, but I would assume Monday, Wednesday versus Anaheim. Hopefully that's going to be a bit of an improvement for Minnesota, and some of their players will get going after going cold for these couple of games. Uh, Some bad news in Minnesota, though, if there hasn't already been enough with these games against Colorado, Matt Dumba's hurt again. So again, just like these last couple injuries I mentioned, uh, we don't know the severity yet, but man, like rough break for this guy, right? He already missed a couple weeks stretch at the start of February. He missed most of the 2018-19 season. The guy's only 26 years old, so hopefully he could get back on track, even with just like a full healthy season. Like, you know, I want him to, you know, get this career going. I want to see like what Dumba can do in a full season, like back at 100% health. I don't really, I can't really think of like a fantasy impact here for the Dumba injury. Like, I don't think really anyone benefits. You can let me know if you disagree. I just think it's a bummer. It is just a bummer. And I don't think anyone stands to really benefit from it on the roster. We saw the last time Dumba was injured, neither Spurgeon nor Suter really got to do anything more. So I'm not really expecting anything different this time. I guess there's still a chance, but I'm very meh on expecting any other Minnesota defenseman to step up. Yeah, well, hopefully the Wild will at least be able to help their goalies to do better than they did over these last couple of games with Dumba off the roster. Okay, number 17 on the list, we've got Anjay Kopitar from the LA Kings. 14 points in his last 10 games. That was going into today, which this game that we kept referencing, it's now over 3-1, to one, a win for the Kings. Kopitar got himself an assist. Let me see, a second assist. Two more points for Kopitar. So the hot streak continues. I don't see that slowing down anytime soon. He's so, so good. Uh, last week, Adrian Kempe was like the non kopitar Kopitar, Dowdy, like hotness in LA, right? He had those six goals in three games, uh, pointless in four games since then for Adrian Kempe going into today. And a quick check, yeah, pointless again today. So, Brian, we're a snoozer alert for Adrian Kempe, right? Like, probably people were holding him. He had this great schedule this week. Turned out not to be as great since Monday's game got canceled, but it's still like Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. But at this point, LA plays Monday, Wednesday next week, so you might want to hold. But I honestly feel like, yeah, he could do something, but I'd be ready to drop. Kempe fits the bill as the guy you were describing Zuccarello out to be, who like or who we expected Zuccarello to be this year, which we agreed now he's not. He's earned some more patience. But Kempe, I don't think, has earned that extra patience after even just two games of doing nothing. I think Kempe makes to be a fun streamer, but if he's cold and you need some help or you need some games, I wouldn't hold him while you're waiting for the next run, which I think is gonna come. I think he's gonna have a nice little a nice little run again some point between here and the rest of the season. I just don't want to hold him while I wait for it. And he does nothing. Yeah, I think Kempe is kind of, he falls to me in the Frank Vetrano category. Yeah. It's like, I like him as a stream if you need a game, because he seems like the kind of guy that has the potential to like score a couple goals, which is hard to find out of free agency, r- rather than just like, you know, you could get, grab a Ryan Getzlaff, and maybe he'll give you an assist. But Kempe maybe could give you a bigger game. But yeah, don't expect it consistently. Uh, obviously, one reason also why he's not as appealing right now is for a stretch. He was on the top line when Ayafalo missed a game, Dustin Brown missed a game. But now Ayafalo and Brown both healthy, lining up with Kopi on the top line. Brown and Ayafalo, another good game today. 
So those are the two guys you want on LA. If they're if either of them are available, I like them right now playing with Kopitar. So you said Brown with another good game today, but he'd actually been like pretty cold. I don't know if you noticed, but uh, okay. Dustin Brown before today had no points in four games and just two in his last 10. He's back on the board with a power play goal from today's game. Uh, I was going to say before that happened that I think everything's going to course correct back to a 55, 60 point pace the rest of the way for Dustin Brown because I don't think this deployment is changing and he still seems to be uh, half decent at hockey. So uh, don't panic if you're a Dustin Brown owner. I think you're going to be in good shape. Yeah, to me, I always look at, honestly, like, I probably didn't even notice the point, uh, you know, drought, because he's still getting three, four shots every single game. Yeah. And maybe it's my bias, but I just love players who are shooting. I'm not worried about them. They're going to be fine. Well, that's Adrian Kempe to some extent, too. Yeah, but not, like, as consistently. Like, today, what did he have? A couple shots. I don't know. I guess it's, like, very negligible, two versus three. But to me, there's, like, a big difference between a two-shopper-game player and a three-shopper-game player. Yeah, and Kempe's had two or fewer for five straight now. Which is yeah. not what we... Like, when we really liked him, he's had, like, six, five, five, or three, five, four. But lately, nada. Yeah, Kempe doesn't give me that vibe, that solid Dustin Brown. Like, you're going to get your <laughs> shots, good chance at a goal every single game. Uh, okay, so next, let's look at number 18 on the Frozen Tools list of hot players. Jonathan Huberdo slots in 11 points in his last nine games. That was going into today. I believe Florida played. They lost to Tampa 5-3, to three, so I can give you a live update here. No points for Huberdo. Surprising, right? It's rare at this point that Huberdo goes cold. Uh, then number 19 on the list, Alex Barkov, also from Florida. 16 points in his last 12 going into today. And Barkov, two more assists today. So Barkov is continuing the hot streak and obviously i'm not worried about huberdo man florida okay so they lost today against tampa so i don't know how much you're gonna hold against it would be cool to see them beat tampa they've done it before this season but uh still going into there i guess i could just give you the update now they're 27 and 4 on the season 20 wins seven losses four overtime losses this is like a really good team it seems like how seriously should we be taking these guys as cup contenders at this point they're right at the top of the standings we should be taking the florida panthers seriously as cup contenders, they look good any way you slice them. They rank eighth in the league in expected goals for rates, sixth in expected goals against rates, and that all adds up to ranking fourth in the league in five-on-five expected goals for percentage, which means uh, they are the complete package this year. It's amazing what, I guess, a coach can do. I mean, they did add some pieces, they subtracted a couple, but... Everything they're doing looks good, and under and also for the Panthers, it looks sustainable. Their PDO, which is a, a measure of shooting percentage and save percentage, that generally, if either one is trending too high or too low, your PDO will be too high or too low, and that will mean that something you're doing isn't sustainable. But the Panthers, uh, their PDO is right where it should be, which is at 100. Uh, that's the baseline number for it. Anyway, this thing could work for the Florida Panthers. I guess the counter argument you could make against them is to say their division is kind of weak. And yeah, that's true. Columbus, Nashville, Chicago, Detroit. You know, I don't like Dallas. Uh, so neither of those teams are great competition. But if you just isolate their games against Tampa and Carolina, uh, they are 3-3-2. Three, three and two. So they're right in the mix. They're not dominating those teams. They're not getting dominated by those teams. They have records that would signal that a seven-game series between Florida and Tampa or Florida and Carolina could be a lot of fun. So I'm really looking forward to see just how much the Panthers can do. Yeah, I mean, and it's like you've mentioned some players they brought in. They're players that no one even expected to do anything. Like Carter Verhage scored again today. So he's got eight points in his last seven games, up to like a 65-point pace on the season. I feel like he's going to keep it up, right? At this point, like he's sticking with Barkov and he's doing so well. I can't see why he would slow down. Yeah, it really does look like he's going to keep it up. Do you know that he was drafted by the Leafs? 
Did you know that? I did not know that. We might have mentioned it before on the show, but Probably. it's so funny. Like Toronto over the years, and like this is not a dig at Toronto or anything. Every fan, every team's fan base is big on their prospects. But I was like, oh, you know, look at Levo and Carrick and Corrado and Marincin and Jeremy Bracco and Carter Haig out of nowhere is like, oh, this guy is the full-time NHL, or at least when he's playing with Alex Barkov, but capable of being in that role. And another fun team connection for Carter Verhage is that he came from Tampa's fourth line at another time. Tampa's fourth line boasted a player by the name of Jonathan Marcheseau, or at the time, I think he was still going by Jonathan Odie Marcheseau. And then when he left Tampa, he got more opportunity. And we see what he's done with that in the NHL. Uh, also, by the way, in Florida. So if a player is good enough for Tampa's fourth line, then they're good enough for Florida's first line, I guess. And they're capable of the role, too. So uh, that'll be really fun to see if that happens again between Tampa and Florida in the same state, too. Who to thunk? Uh, current Tampa Bay fourth liners for anybody watching Pat Maroon, Ross Colton, and Mathieu Joseph. So look out for that trio, <laughs> but probably not Pat for Pat Maroon. Yeah, I wouldn't expect Maroon at this point in his career. This Ross Colton, another assist today for him, only nine minutes and forty one seconds. So it's hard to expect much, but he's had a couple games with points like recently. So those are those are Carter Verhage twenty nineteen twenty minutes right there. <laughs> okay, so yeah, watch out for Ross Colton. He'll be the next Carter Verhage. Uh, also, by the way, this top line on Florida with Barkov. So Barkov and Verhage are like locked in, and it looks like again for this game, like Duclair and Mason Marchmont were like swapping back and forth onto that line. So like Duclair had a goal and an assist and four shots in a game on Saturday, but then, like, no points today. So I don't know what to say about Duclair. He's probably, like, a good stream, for sure, but don't expect him to even stick on the top line for a whole game. But you don't even need a whole game, potentially, to get points when you're playing with Alex Barkov. Okay. Oh, yeah, one other player I want to ask about on Florida. I got There's such an interesting team, because here's another random guy that's all of a sudden doing well this year. Mackenzie Wieger has nine points in his last seven games going into today. Let's see if Wieger did anything. Okay, nothing today, but still, so what is that? Nine points in his last eight games. He had an assist on Saturday, along with, like, three shots, three hits, three blocks. He's helping you across the board. The short shifts guys already talked about him last Tuesday. They named the episode Eager Wieger. But, Ryan, I gotta get your opinion. Like, where is this coming from? And is there anything sustainable about what Mackenzie Wieger is doing to like you know maybe not like you know a point per game but can we expect him to be say a half point per game along with these great peripherals which would make him a great ad all over the place yeah and i think that's actually being conservative calling mckenzie Weger a half point per game player thanks to this last run which i'm gonna like you mentioned just the last eight games or something i'm gonna go back 17 now including today's game on sunday Weger has two goals and 12 assists for 14 points in those 17 games. Uh, I don't know how many shots he got today, but before today, he had 28 shots in 16 games. Like you said, some peripherals. And he's doing all this, by the way, with no power play time. So I am uh, really excited about Mackenzie Weger. I can't find any reason he can't keep up the pace he's on, which is north of 45 points the rest of the way. So if you've already got him, Hold on tight. And if you don't have him and DR hard to find, uh, stop sleeping on Mackenzie Weger. Yeah, especially if you're in like a multi-category league. Like, yeah, so a 40 to 45 point defenseman is good. But if you could also find one that's getting... He also had four pims today, for what it's worth, along with his uh, two hits. So yeah, Weger is helping you across the board right now. And yeah, this Florida team, I'm very interested to see what they're going to do. They're at 13 to 1 odds right now over on my bookie. Uh, so I don't know, like, are those good odds? Or are they fair odds? Clearly, like, everyone's kind of hype about the Panthers. I think that's probably about fair odds, actually, at 13 to 1. Because I still like, like Tampa Bay and Colorado quite a bit better. 
It seems fair. It seems to be like within the top five or six odds available. So yeah, yeah makes sense. Like Florida's a team, like maybe you don't go and put out a bet on them, but if you want to feel cool with your friends talking hockey and like seem knowledgeable, that's a great thing to be like, you know, I think Florida's got a chance. And in a month or two from now, you might look really, really smart. Gain some social capital. <laughs> yeah, I remember that used to be a thing that you used to say on the show. Like, here's something fun for your dinner parties to drop this knowledge. I didn't say think dinner so parties. <laughs> I meant like, like I tried to make it more hockeyish. Like when you're at the bar having a brew with your buds, watching the games. Oh, I watch my games at home. Well, before COVID, at, at I would dinner have parties. At dinner parties, everyone would bring a bottle of wine. We'd all dress up, and you know, we'd have the game on the radio with, <laughs> with nature stuff on the TV. I don't know. Okay, so let's go down number nineteen on the list. Evgeny Malkin. This is bittersweet, right? So it twelve like point. A great experience, actually. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Oh well, hey, that. I would invite you if I was allowed. Okay, when we're allowed, we will listen to the game on the radio and put nature shows on television. Yeah, and we'll sip some wine and discuss Carter Verhage and Mackenzie Weger and the Florida Panthers. In our Sunday best. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so yeah, Malkin slots in as the 19th hottest player on Frozen Tools, though I think he's going to fall off that list soon because he's out. And it's like, he's apparently week to week right now. I saw something recently on Rotor World that like the coach said he will hopefully be back before the playoffs, which is like... On one hand, like, I guess that's good, but also I wasn't even worried that he wasn't going to be back before the playoffs until I saw that. So clearly Malkin's going to be out for a little while. Before that, he was great, like 12 points his last nine games. Uh, but that's a shame. So he's out. Uh, the lines <laughs> for Pittsburgh, what, what can I say? You know, so Pittsburgh played. To, do, oh, do you want to lament a little just, bit before I move well, on? No, just, just spoken. I mean, earlier you got to boast about making Zabandage out, who you've had all season, you're waiting, and finally deliverance. I've been very happy with, like, I'm the Malkin manager in my Cupful League, and I'm, like, was so happy to see him finally get on a roll, uh, points in so many games recently, and it's a real big bummer that he's out now. So I guess, uh, I guess that's all. I just want, yeah. let, let's just take a minute for all the Malkin managers out there. I mean, I will say, not that, like, like, no one wants this to happen. Like, this is bad. I don't want this to happen. Like, there is an inherent risk to having Malkin on your team, and this is it. Like, this is not the first time that Malkin's had a long-term injury near the end of a season. And obviously, the pe- the Penguins know this, and that's why they're probably not going to rush him back. So it's like, anytime anyone's asked me a trade advice question regarding Malkin, you could go, you could find the receipts on Twitter. I always say, just remember, Malkin comes with an injury risk. Not saying I called it, like, you know, that I called it to get injured, but it's like, it's a bummer. It happens a lot. So that's a shame. Uh, so Pittsburgh, by the way, lost today to New Jersey, two to one. Uh, so, you know, that's obviously a sign that maybe they're not at 100% because New Jersey's not the most amazing team. We can look at the lines from this game. Uh, so Crosby, Rust, Gensel, they loaded up the top line, which left the rest of the guys to fend for themselves a little bit. Casperi Kapanen is now playing with Jared McCann as a centerman and Evan Rodriguez on the other wing. I guess that's the second line, unless you want to count like Mark Jankowski, Zach Aston Reese, and Sam Lafferty. Like, this is a really big drop off after Crosby, Rust, and Gensel. Uh, so, like, I guess the good news for a Casperi Kapanen, he's gotten on the top power play. So that's nice. But I still kind of feel like this is probably a net negative to now have such a weak even strength line. So what do you think about the prospects for Kasperi Kaplan moving forward, who was on a bit of a nice run, enjoying this time with Malkin that's now come to an end? Yeah, real bummer for Kasperi Kapanen and anybody who's been enjoying his production. The good news is that he had four shots today, uh, even with really just the power play deployment going for him. And he actually saw a less than 50% share of his team's power play time. I'm just checking out. I think that was probably just like a, a 
unfortunate whistle timing thing, though, that kept him from not getting a greater than 50% share of the team's power play time. I guess if you have Kapanen, yeah, you're you're pretty concerned. You're hoping for that power play production. At least if he can get you three or four shots while he's doing nothing else, maybe that'll make him worth holding on to. But it is pretty rough to be anywhere but Sidney Crosby's line. In Pittsburgh, as you mentioned, you've got Crosby, Rust, and Gensel as the top line. And then I don't think there's any other line. I'm looking at these combos right now that you mentioned. I don't think there's another line that would even really qualify as a second line. It's like a couple third lines and a fourth line in oh, Pittsburgh. No. Like yeah. all of it, like this this roster, I mean, it's not a surprise. And you're missing Malkin and Zucker, which is big, right? Because that's your second line right there. And then you could have a third line there with whoever's left. That would be fine. Um, it's just rough goings. So I would be concerned about having anybody not playing on that top line, Crosby, Rust, Gensel. If you want to look for a reason to hold hope for Kapanen, uh, he's on the top power play, but I don't think at even strength he's going to have a whole lot of luck scoring. Yeah, I, I'd i be okay to let go of Kapanen and move on to someone else, probably. Uh, by the way, also on this list, after 20, uh, number 24, Chris Letang in the list of hottest players. Five points in his last five games. That was going into today. Pittsburgh's goal today was Crosby's by Gensel and Rust. So Letang didn't get in on it. So I'm sure he's going to fall off the Frozen Tools list now. Less than point per game. Come on, Chris Letang. But still sitting at close to a 60-point pace on the season. I, Brian, I'm so interested to see what's going to happen to Letang when he hits free agency this summer. Like, it's just so weird to imagine, like, Letang on another team. First of all, like, I guess quarterbacking some other team's power play. It's also weird to imagine, like, what would happen in Pittsburgh. Like, you know, we've always just, ever since the start of Keeping Carlson, we've either been talking about Chris Letang or Justin Schultz running the top power play in Pittsburgh. There was, like, one episode this season where Letang looked like he might be injured. We were discussing if it was going to be, like, Pierre Olivier Joseph or John Marino. Like, But, like, that could be reality next year if Letang goes. And Marino really has not stepped up this year. Like, I really misjudged this guy. I drafted him high in a dynasty league, assuming at the very least he would do what he did last year, which was like a 35 to 40 point defenseman with upside for more. But he's like on the exact opposite, hardly getting any points at all. So, man, I, I wonder what Pittsburgh's going to do. Do they bring, but at the same time, do you really sign Chris Letang to a long term contract when you're clearly going into the twilight with Crosby and Malkin? Like, I feel like you have to let Letang go, which is wild. I don't think it's a long term. Con- if it's a long term contract, you walk from Chris Letang. But if you can convince him and say, we're going to take a couple more shots with Crosby and Malkin, do you want to be a part of it? Or do you not want to be a part of it? Right. Then, then we'll see, you know, maybe a couple one year deals are on the horizon for Chris Letang, who's on a 60 point pace this season. Quietly enough, there's nothing weird or different or special happening in his numbers. He's just putting up a 60 point pace. Good for you, Chris Letang. Actually, they look worse than usual somehow but the points are coming and i see no real reason to think that they won't keep coming at the rate that they are and yeah beyond john marino i feel like we're looking at mike matheson as maybe the most likely replacement if Latang does move on but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it yeah that'll be a fun off-season episode when we discuss the chris Latang ufa signing either in pittsburgh or elsewhere uh by the way casey de smith had a great game on saturday stopping 24 of 25 that was his fifth straight 930 save percentage or higher start uh then tristan jari played today and he also had a good game he stopped 33 of 35 so uh both pittsburgh goalies looking good but casey de smith just interests me just because he's been good for so long i wonder if pittsburgh 
potentially gives Casey to Smith more runway. Like, even just for next week, Brian, this is my, again, like I said at the top of the show, this is my crucial week where I need to win to stay alive in the cupful. And I had Tristan Jari, who was going to be playing Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday is Pittsburgh's schedule, which meant at most two games for Jari. And potentially, like, who knows? Let's say in the Wednesday, Thursday, what if DeSmith does better in you know, then Jari does in that back-to-back. All of a sudden, what if DeSmith gets to start on Saturday? I don't know. I didn't want to risk it, so I dropped him. I got UC Saros instead, who we're going to get to in a little bit. Uh, so I don't know. I'm not saying, like, you know, drop Tristan Jari yourselves, but I'm just saying, like, DeSmith has earned, like, maybe a longer look. Maybe. I feel like you're kind of trying to will this into existence because you traded Jari, and it'll make you feel better if DeSmith plays more. I Like, I'm very open to the idea. I went to see what Pittsburgh's schedule was down the stretch, and there aren't a lot of back-to-backs. There's no automatic DeSmith starts, but I don't think he needs to wait for automatic starts, given that he has a 9.56 percentage over his last five games. He did have a rocky start. Remember when Jari had a rocky start and DeSmith couldn't capitalize on the door opening to get a better share? But now DeSmith is playing regularly over the last little while he's putting up good numbers so i do wonder if it does uh if it does swing a bit away from tristan jari being the number one to being the number one a yeah like i think it really depends on like what type of coach uh mike sullivan is right like yeah. does he want to get both their goalies go like if both if it's smith is hot do you want to give him games or do you just want to let jari like really because on one hand you'd say like don't run jari into the ground you need him for your playoff run on the other hand you could say oh no jari needs to like get into the swing of things and get prepared for a playoffs where he's gonna have to play a bunch of games in a row potentially so i guess we'll see what happens but smith is definitely putting up a case for getting more starts okay number 20 on the list as of yesterday of the hottest players in the nhl according to frozen tools we've got nikolai ehlers what an amazing season for nikolai Ehlers and it continues. He had two assists in the 4-2 loss to Edmonton on Saturday, bringing him to 10 points in his last seven games. He now sits at 33 points in 31 games on the season. And that's with only 33% of Winnipeg's power play time. And he's over a point per game. In fact... He has eight power play points from the second power play. So even though he's not on the top power play, he's still getting power play points. The, the leader on the team in power play points, it's a tie with Shifley and Wheeler, who both have 11 power play points. So Ehlers is only three behind those guys. Brian, I can't think, just like I said about the Colorado D, like I also can't think of another example of a time when someone broke a point per game pace for the entire season with less than like 40% of their team's power play time. Like, please let me know if you could think of someone or if not, then please tweet at us if you can. I'd love to know an example of someone else who's done this before. The closest recent example was Timo Meyer. Remember that? But he had, I think his pace was around 70 points without getting onto the top power play. Nick Ehlers, uh, yeah, is doing fantastic. He looks really good at five on five. The reason he has eight power play points is because uh, he's pointed on every power play goal scored. While he's on the ice, he's also scored four of them himself on 18 power play shots. So I don't expect that power play point pace to continue from the second unit. But I do think that he's still going to be this incredible... I mean, I can't say he's like Timo Meyer because he was doing it before Timo Meyer, at least being in the mid-60s. I think he can definitely be a 70-point, maybe 75-point pace guy the rest of the season, even if his power play points regress a little bit. Because right now he's at an 87-point pace, knock off a couple. He's still going to be a great, great... There's no actionable fantasy advice here unless you find an Ehlers owner who for some reason doesn't believe. But 
based on where I expect you might have drafted Nick Ehlers, I think you're pretty happy with how he's doing for you. Yes, yeah, such an amazing season. And by the way, Brian, I know normally you said you said it about another player earlier in the show, Matt Zuccarello, you were saying if you have 100% IPP, that's not gonna, you know, sustain. I would say this case, I might like disagree or like wonder if maybe he can sustain it just because this is on the power play where they don't play much anyways. And like who, like this is Nick Ehlers' power play. Like it's him, Matthew Perot. Andrew Kopp and Pierre-Luc Dubois <laughs> right. and then I guess Neil Pionk on D. So it's like obviously the play is going to go through Ehlers every time if they're going to score a goal. Uh, true. Yeah, that's fair. So then I guess I'd look and see, okay, are they overperforming as a unit while he's on the ice like in terms of shooting percentage? Yeah. I don't think so. That would be, also, okay. I thought the point you were going to make is that uh, eight points on eight on-ice goals uh, gives him 100% power play IPP. I might, if I were to regress him, it would only be to like 75 or 80 percent which would only knock two power play points off his total so far this season so that's not even a big hit if we do say like that's all the regression we expect to come to him that's nothing that would still yeah. put him <laughs> on an 82 point pace for the season yeah he's good like and he's good on the power play clearly because he's, he's uh, so it's like i don't know i guess winnipeg knows what they're doing but uh, i'd love to see him on the top power play imagine if he's on another team he could be like the centerpiece of a power play he's clearly the centerpiece of the second power play but uh doesn't need it he's having an amazing season okay so brian that is all right let's talk about one more uh winnipeg player here since we're already on the jets uh so pld also got two points on saturday he's playing with elos at even strength on the power play like i said uh so pld also had a three assist game versus montreal on wednesday i should probably say who that is pierre luc dubois so he started to heat up brian we actually talked about him i think it was on the patron cast we were talking about how he's like slumping, but since then he's looking good. Like, I wonder, is this just the kind of thing where maybe it was just an adjustment period coming to a new team? Like I actually, uh, there was someone mentioned in our discord server, how uh, Mark Stone struggled a little bit when he first went to Vegas. Remember he was quiet at the end of that season. Then the playoffs, he was awesome. Then the next year he like has turned into the Mark Stone that we've come to know and love. So I wonder if Pierre-Luc Dubois just needed some time to adjust to the Jets. And now that he's going, like, I don't know, I'm just trying to set a narrative yeah. that it's possible that maybe he is like the 60 plus point yeah. pace guy that we expect him to be going into the year. I appreciate that narrative. I'm, I'm only laughing. I'm not laughing at the thought. Like, it's definitely possible. It's just really annoying <laughs> that after last week, literally last week's show, I was like, yeah, I think I'm done waiting on Pierre-Luc Dubois. He goes off with five points in three games, has nine shots over three games, which uh, I don't think he's done in any three-game stretch as a Winnipeg Jet. So, Look, I'm not going to say that this means he's for real there, but he's definitely bought some time, which I like, I feel bad. I just feel bad. I'm sorry to anybody who dropped him and lost him for the last week. Uh, Maybe you can still get him back if nobody's noticed, if others have noticed. I'm really sorry and hope he has a terrible season the rest of the way. Uh, oh no. Well, no, just for just just so I I didn't blow anyone's season. That, That one feels bad. I mean, you had good reason. I'm sure that these people were just waiting for permission to drop him if they dropped him. And, like, what were you supposed to say? Like, yeah, he's a talented player. I think we said, I'd love to go back and listen. I'm sure at least one of us said, like, he's a talented player. Like, there's a reason why he was drafted so high. And, you know, he's playing with Ehlers. Like, it's a good spot. But when someone's cold for so long... By the way, here's another player that's cold for so long on Winnipeg. Uh, Kay Towney here is saying in the chat that Wheeler looks horrible. I'm taking a look. Uh, So he's got only one point in his last four games. Only, like, three points in his last nine games. Like, Blake Wheeler has been doing nothing lately. So, I don't know. That's concerning. Yeah, and this is following a a bunch of criticism. Uh, It was around, like, the 10-game mark, whereas, like, Blake Wheeler seems to have disappeared. What's he doing? And he had a cold snap then that he bounced back from. 
But yeah, just three points in his last nine, two points in his last eight, if I want to slice it another way. And I'm not looking too deep at his numbers, but he has been in the minuses for the last five games in the plus minus column, which doesn't mean a ton to me, but that's not terribly characteristic for Blake Wheeler. So I'm not sure exactly what's happening. Maybe someone to look into a little further for next week if this slide continues. Yeah, maybe we can make a call out. Could we put out like the bat signal for yeah. Ben and Lewis on short shifts? There we want to hear we want to hear your thoughts on Blake Wheeler on Tuesday. <laughs> okay, but no pressure if you have another show, show already planned. I don't want to plan their show. Okay, so Brian, uh, I wanted to have a nice structure to our show, so we went to the top 20 uh, hottest players on Frozen Tools, but you know me. I still got to wa- bring up the other players I want to talk about. That, so let's end the show with some bits and bites around the league of players that didn't land or their teams didn't land on this top 20, if you don't mind. And I got to start in Toronto because these lines... It's crazy. What's going on? I mentioned it on short shifts. We hadn't seen any games yet, but like Galchenyuk and Wayne Simmons are back in the lineup. Simmons was injured. Galchenyuk just got signed after he was waived by the Ottawa Senators like a month ago, and he had been in the minors, had been doing well. He got called up. And like, check out these lines yesterday in the 2 nothing win over Calgary. I'm seeing that they went with Matthews, Marner, and Wayne Simmons, and then Tavares with Nylander and Alex Galchenyuk. What? Okay, and then Simmons was also on the top power play, which I guess you said there was a stretch where he wasn't on that power play, but there was a stretch where it was Simmons, Matthews, Marner, Thornton, and Morgan Riley. Uh, like, yeah, and I even wrote here that there was a stretch in the game where Tavares and Nylander jumped in for the old guys. But yeah, each of Simmons and Galchenyuk have an assist in those two games since returning. Both also have three shots on goal. Uh, keep in mind, the Leafs only play on Thursday and Saturday of next week, which is the reason why I traded John Tavares. And like lines could change before that. So I wouldn't like rush to grab like a Galchenyuk or Simmons in your deep league. Uh, but... That said, like watch at game day lines. And if you're playing like DFS or if you want like a stream again, like this week, it's like two busy days. So it might not be the best week to stream in these leagues, but you got to love a play. You know, we, we were excited about Thornton playing with Matthews and Marner. So why not be excited about Wayne Simmons? And same for like an Alex Galchenyuk playing with Tavares and Nylander. And, you know, there's always that small chance. To, this is crazy, right? But like, I've always still thought like, why did Galchenyuk become so bad all of a sudden? So I wonder if I'm not going to even say it. I'm not even going to finish the sentence, but you know what I'm thinking. So I don't know if you have any comment on these two new uh, additions to the Leafs roster. What are you going to say? Just like we, he was supposed to be good. So maybe there's still something left in Alex Galchenyuk given the right opportunity. But I don't want to like actually say that I think that and then have it clipped. Julianne's going to put in clipping Carlson. <laughs> oh, so Elon on the last show said that Galchenyuk's going to be good and then he went pointless in three games. And it's like, okay, so I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying like there might be something there. He was a first round pick. He had like a 30 plus goal season on Montreal back in the day. So I, I love, know. I love how uncomfortable it made you to say that. And yet, I feel like that's a that's one of my classic hits. Like this is that's something I regularly say about a player, and especially <laughs> Al Skalchenyuk over the years. And I have more or less given up on him, but I'm of course interested if he's in that. Uh, I mean, I guess the comparable is to say Jimmy VC has been in such a good spot and didn't do anything with it. So it is possible to do nothing from this spot. Uh, Alex Galchenyuk is not a sure shot being there. And he only played uh, nine minutes and 56 seconds, even with that deployment. So that deployment was very, very limited, even though that was a line he played on. So uh, great. He got an assist. He had no shots. 
I guess it's someone you can watch to stream in in a deep league where you would have streamed in Jimmy Vesey at some point earlier this year, like the first week or two of the season. But beyond that, he's going to have to show me a little more before I'm ready to give him a chance. No, I definitely agree. I would go Wayne Simmons ahead of Galchenyuk if I was picking one of those yeah, two guys. Well, Wayne Simmons was just starting to to get some heat before he got injured, although that heat was very unsustainable. Like everyone was really excited. I feel like the day before he got injured, he scored uh, he two goals. Like, yeah, and he was like flying off the free agency rack, the figurative free agency rack. And uh, then he got injured and he was just dropped again. Uh, look, I'm not expecting a whole lot from Wayne Simmons, but it's nice to have a guy who plays net front on the Toronto power play. There's enough garbage to clean up uh, that he could provide you with some fantasy relevance from that spot. But I wouldn't be holding my breath. Like he's not someone I'd, I'd work to make room for on my roster. Yeah, these are two deep calls, but you got to mention whenever there's someone playing with Matthews and Marner or playing with Tavares and Nylander. Uh, I should also say, though, that in that game on Saturday, and it's being mentioned here in the chat also, that Zach Hyman is kind of like a rover. There was like some points in the game where Hyman was playing with Matthews and Marner in that 2 nothing win over Calgary, and Hyman is like having a great year. So it's like, even though we're talking about non-Hyman guys playing in the top six, you still probably want Zach Hyman over all of them, because at any point he can get there and even not there. He did score a goal playing with Matthews and Marner, even in this last game, even though he wasn't with them for the majority of the time. So great season for Zach Hyman. Yeah, a little Zach Hyman appreciation moment here. We had a question on our Discord server a little, like, last week about uh, whether what he's doing is sustainable. And the answer was like, yeah, absolutely. 50-point, 55-point pace, fantastic. And there's nothing weird about it. This is just who he is. He is a really, really fantastic complimentary player. Yeah, and he's, by the way, on a contract year. So it'll be interesting to see what the Leafs can do because, you know, they don't have that much money left and they might have to choose between Zach Hyman, maybe, and Frederick Anderson, who's also a UFA. And the big news out of Toronto, aside from, I guess, Thornton and Galchenyuk, is that Frederick Anderson missed Saturday's game with a lower body injury. So he's been really bad lately. I can't imagine his fantasy managers were, like, too annoyed of being able to stash Anderson in an IR plus spot. He's got an 897 save percentage in 23 games so far. Uh, but they are especially not minding it if they were able to grab Jack Campbell instead who played his first game since returning from his injury on that game on Saturday versus Calgary and he shut them out stopping 31 shots and that's his second shutout in a row after blanking the Oilers back on February 27th before he went on the shelf so man like Jack Campbell has got to be a pretty hot target right now right like okay here are all the reasons Frederick Anderson's hurt Frederick Anderson was struggling even when he's not hurt Frederick Anderson's a free agent at the end of the season like Okay, so I have all that, plus the fact that Jack Campbell has two straight shutouts. Even if, if Anderson is healthy, if the Leafs don't give Jack Campbell the Thursday game, I can't even imagine what Leafs Twitter will be like. It's like, what does this guy have to do? All the stars are aligning that Jack Campbell should get a run, and maybe he'll get it just because Anderson's injured. But either way, I feel like now is the time to be running to grab Jack Campbell. Totally. You could be getting, well, you're getting the Leafs starter for the near future, and you could be getting the Leafs... I'm I'm going to go there. 1A goalie through the rest of the season, or at least a timeshare, which is a, a really good spot to be. We know that Freddie Anderson has burned a lot of chances this year, and I think a lot of that might have had to do with the fact, like, he couldn't have been playing at 100% with some of the goals I've seen him let up, right? There's There's no way, but because the Leafs had no other option but to play him, I think they decided, well, uh, 70% Freddie Anderson is better than our next best option, which also might have been true. But now it's not. 
with Jack Campbell in the mix. So we'll see how long it takes Freddie Anderson to get back up to 100% or at least good enough for game shape to be worth trying out again. And I think in the meantime, Jack Campbell could really establish himself as being someone that it's going to be hard to take games away from whenever Anderson is ready. Yeah, I really hope that Campbell is fully healthy and can just go on a run right now. Like, uh, you, I'll go a step farther than you. You were saying maybe 1A rest of the season. How about maybe 1A, like, next season in your uh, people in keeper leagues? Because, can't like, Anderson's a UFA, and I don't see why you need to rush to give him big money, especially if you're tied up against the cap, and you need to also sign Zach Hyman. So. Definitely some strong value in keeper leagues for Jack Campbell. Like, this is a chance to have the potential starting goalie on a top five team in the league. Go get him. Yeah, I bought a Jack Campbell Young Guns card over the summer for this exact reason. I was like waiting for it to happen. So I should probably, I just thinking about this right now, I should go and see what that's selling for right now on eBay and maybe unload my Jack Campbell card. Or do I hold on and see if the value goes up? Ah, okay. That's how you end up losing money in this whole business. Okay. So speaking of blazing goalie returns, we got to talk about UC Soros, who put up two great games versus Florida on Thursday and Saturday. He stopped 40 of 41 and then 47 of 48 in those two games. Unfortunately, Nashville got shut out, so it didn't help. Uh, but still, you can't blame UC Saros for that loss on Saturday. So Nashville's actually playing right now and Pekka is in the net and he's let in two goals on 11 shots. So a very different story with Rene, which all that means to me is like 100% certainty or uh, whatever you could say, 99% certainty that UC Saros is getting back in there for next week, Tuesday Thursday. Brian, like I said, I dropped Tristan Jari for UC Saros. A lot of it was for this schedule and the fact that he's so hot. I can't think of any reason not to grab UC Saros right now. I think he's for sure going to be the start. Like, obviously you don't want to project too far because things could change if he does badly, but Rene has done nothing to indicate that he should be the starter on this team. And UC Saros has had these two amazing games, so I think they're just going to keep running with Saros. I'm more confident in UC Saros getting starts rest of the way than Jack Campbell. Are you with me there? Yeah, I am with you there. There's less competition in Nashville. And for anybody who listened last week, and I assume you did if you're still listening like an hour and a half into this week's episode, but you heard the case I made for UC Saros, right? Nashville is still a good defensive team, although they've given them like a boatload of shots their last two games. I'm not sure what's up with that. But Saros is getting also dragged down for his on his save percentage by what's happening on the penalty kill, which I think like is going to fluctuate and could end up being fine while he keeps putting on a really like a solid respectable five on five performance. So yeah, even though Nashville's not going to get you a whole lot of wins, they still might do reasonably well at protecting their goalie, which might also include giving up a, a lot of shots from poor, like low danger locations. And that would be good news to hold Saros. So Saros definitely seems like somebody who, if you're looking for volume, uh, could be a really great add to your roster at this late stage of the game. Remember, Elon, when if you were looking to add a goalie in like week 10 of fantasy, who was going to get a lot of starts, you were screwed. Like, there's no way it happened. And now it's like there's another guy each week that's like, oh, yeah, if you need some saves, why don't you go grab the Nashville starter? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's also like New Jersey just last week, you know, like Blackwood was in free agency in a lot of leagues because he was doing so badly. Now Blackwood is back and he's been doing well. So there's a lot of good goalie value out there. Brian, I've actually had like the worst. What's the opposite of like the Midas touch where what's the thing where everything you touch turns to like poop? Is there a word for that? I don't think so, but there should be. There should be. I'm going to think on this. I'm going to try and get back to you. 
Well, I've been like Medusa, I guess, where I look at these goalies and they turn to stone. Anyways, all this to say, like, I, I have this one league where I added Mackenzie Blackwood, got injured. I added Petr Mrazek, got injured. I added Linus Allmark, got injured. So now I'm sitting on Cal Peterson and UC Saros. I've been lucky. Like, I keep getting good goalies. And now, like, all these guys are, like, coming back. Like, news is that Allmark is playing. Like, news is that Mrazek has been in practice. Uh, Blackwood just had a great game today against Pittsburgh in the 2-1 win. Like, Peterson just had a great win. UC Saros we're talking about. So now I've all of a sudden in this league like like it just goes to show like what you're saying brian like on one hand yeah i've been a danger to these goalies and every time i add them they get injured but also it's like now i've got five goalies and we have to figure out what to do with them i don't want all of them i guess it's time for me to look on the trade market uh would it be crazy can i just ask you really quickly how are you ranking or is there an obvious like like, maybe forget about morazic and allmark so whatever whatever because we don't even know if they're coming back yet but yeah allmark morazic blackwood saros peterson i like them all yeah, uh, Peterson, by the way, is another great game. And, like, LA has been religiously 50-50. Like, no matter how... They've both been doing pretty well. But Peterson, I I wonder. I wonder if there's room for him to run away with the job. Also, Ryu Cesaros, uh, just want to throw in there. I can't remember if it made the show last week that, like, they're, the, the Predators' good defensive numbers came with Yozy and Ellis in the lineup. Of course, yeah. Yeah, so maybe that's why... There's been, I mean, that's definitely why there was so much volume recently, and we'll see if, uh, I don't know. I, like, I, I, that would be a reason to be worried about UC Saros, saying he can't handle it. Like, I don't think he's the world's greatest goalie. I don't even think he's the world's, like, most above-average goalie. But uh, I, I hope that Nashville can do well enough in front of him to still make him a reasonable fantasy roster. But he certainly doesn't look as great today as he would have two weeks ago but i'm still interested what, what I mean, am i even saying now what do you, what's your takeaway from my sorrows talk well i don't know like if anything like i'm saying that if he can hold up he's more valuable now because he put up a ton of couple points with like a yeah. 47 save game versus if it was a 22 save game so yeah i like that yeah we'll see if he can keep it up I, I think the jury's just out on that so you can go ahead and take a chance and like see if this is a coming out party uh, but there's a chance it isn't yeah, okay, so we've talked about uh, Jack Campbell and UC Saros as, like, exciting goalie news. More on the Detroit side of goalie news. Over in Ottawa, we've got... When I say in the Detroit side, I mean more like Bernier's injured and now Grice is terrible and there's probably no one you want. So, similar situation in Ottawa right now. So, Joey Decord had come in to play a couple games with Matt Murray and Marcus Hogberg out, and he was, like, even looking okay. But now he's out, potentially, for, like, the rest of the season. Or I think it's pretty much set that Decord is going to be out the rest of the year. So, that's too bad for him. He got his first ever career win, and now he's hurt. Uh, so, in the meantime time the Sens claimed Anton Forsberg off of waivers and like Philip Gustafsson has been getting into games and Kevin Mandelis has been the backup I saw that Anton Forsberg might even play tomorrow so like huge mess in Ottawa I have no idea who's gonna be their goalie maybe like I think Matt Murray I saw is still like weeks away maybe Hogberg is coming back soon like is there any Ottawa goalie is this like a grab and stash situation on any of these injured guys or should people be looking like is Anton Forsberg good like in my mind I think anytime I see the name Forsberg I think like oh that guy's probably good because <laughs> of Peter Forsberg and Philip Forsberg but I feel like Anton so far in his career has not met the same standard well you have to remember there's lots of Forsbergs who've played uh, who've played in the NHL and not made it Actually, there aren't. I'm actually looking at the list of Forsbergs on Hockey TV right now. Philip and Peter and Anton are the three Forsbergs who made it all the way to the bigs. And Anton is the one of those three that just doesn't belong here. He was drafted back in 2011, seventh round by Columbus. Uh, He's already 28. I mean, I guess it's not impossible that he does well, but... um, 
he's in Ottawa, which is a big strike against, and he's also only played three games since 2017-18 when he played 35 for Chicago, putting up a 908 save percentage. So like being okay, serviceable, but in the red, like he's never really appeared to be an NHL goalie in the workload he's had. So uh, this is great news for Sens Tank Nation, I think. Uh, otherwise, mm. I don't see any fantasy relevance, though. I should say, like, he has played other games. Like, the way you say it, he's just been, like, sitting around waiting to play these, like, three games over the past. Like, he's been in the AHL, right? And so he uh, actually had one AHL game this year with Belleville, and he led in only one goal. So I'm seeing on wow. Elite Prospects, he's having a good year in the AHL this year in his <laughs> one game. Last year, he played 27 games, had a 905 save percentage. So seems like he's, like, a capable goalie. But yeah, he's coming into a really tough situation in Ottawa, and I'm not, like, rushing. We're yeah. going to recommend you go grab Anton Forsberg. Yes, yeah, so far, he's an AHL goalie. He's had good numbers in the AHL this whole career like he 919 926 927 he reminds me of like maybe he's the jason doig of goalies do you remember jason doig or darren really. Hedar? like these guys who had really great ahl numbers but they their game just could not translate to the nhl yeah there must be a lot of players like that so we'll see hey opportunity potentially for anton Forsberg. i'll be happy for him if he could get a win on monday uh so over on uh Dallas. I just wanted to bring up that Alex Radulov now is going. Uh, the news came out that he's going to be getting the same treatment as Rupe Hints for the rest of the season. <laughs> According to Rick Bonus, he's also going to be a game time decision every single game, oh. which is like, oh my god! I have Radulov in one Did of my Rick leagues. Did Bonus actually say this? Yeah, this was like a thing. He said that he expects that Radulov to be a similar situation as Rupe Hints. They're going to. I guess they want to manage these guys to get them help. Like it makes sense in theory. Like why this was like a theory that was thrown out actually about another Dallas guy in our beat writer interview over the summer. We're talking about Jamie Ben. They were like, you know, I'll bet you if Jamie Ben could have his like games managed and maybe like play every second game or something, he could come in hot to the playoffs like he did this year. So it's not I'm not saying it's a bad like decision. But does it have to be a game time decision? Like NBA teams do this, but they schedule it. Right. So I don't know what they're doing. But all I know is it's going to make me do a lot of extra work. I have Radulov in my dynasty league. I've been, like, free of hints, so I haven't known the pain. But, like, this is a league where it's, like, not about ad drops. Like, I just kind of have my team, but I do need to, like, set my roster every day. And so now it's like I'm going to have to basically set an alarm on my phone every single game, uh, like, five minutes before puck drop to see the tweets about, like, is Radulov in the lineup? Sounds like it's going to be a whole lot of extra work. So thanks, Rick Bonus. Keeping me yeah. busy. Yeah. What's the opposite of bonus? <laughs> What's the opposite that, of that's, that's what he's giving us. I don't know, a fee. It's, it's like a charge. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like, I'm trying to, yeah. Like, maybe. I'm at work, and then they're like, Elon, you owe us, you owe us money after this work day. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay. There's the, we were looking for the opposite of King Midas and the opposite of bonus. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, Any so that's annoying. Get in touch. So Hints and Radulov both out of the lineup today. Dallas is up 2-1 to one over Nashville after a period. Okay, so let's go now to St. Louis. So here's an interesting situation, Brian. Zach Sanford is on the COVID list, and apparently he hasn't even traveled with the team, so he's going to at least be away for Monday's game. Jaden Schwartz is back in the lineup. He missed some time. So the lines for Saturday's game, get this. Shen, Schwartz, Tarasenko, classic. Wow, like that's what we've grown to know. Since, since the St. Louis. Yeah, like that's basically since the start of keeping Carlson, or at least since Shen got traded to St. Louis, you should say, so Schwartz, Tarasenko. I love that. Then Ryan O'Reilly, David Perron, and Jordan Cairo. So starting with Schwartz, he was pointless in his return on Friday, but picked up an assist and three shots on goal on Saturday in the 5-2 win over San Jose. So nice to see him back. It seems like he's in a great spot in his classic line with Shen and Tarasenko. Then Jordan Cairo had been ice cold and he'd been bumped from the top six for Zach Sanford. So this Zach Sanford being on the COVID list 
Sucks for Zach Sanford, and I wish him all the best. I hope he's healthy. Uh, but great news for Jordan Cairo. He is was loving his time on the Ryan O'Reilly Perron line yesterday versus San Jose because he picked up two goals and an assist. O'Reilly and Perron both had four point games, so just all three of those guys took off. So Brian, like, so, okay, so first of all, Jaden Schwartz rostered on forty percent of Yahoo rosters, so I think he's an easy add. And also Jordan Cairo is rostered in thirty three percent of leagues, and that's been falling because he was on that big cold streak. But if both are, are available in your league right now, I feel like you got to go for both of them. I'm loving Cairo. Like, I feel like Schwartz is almost like an obvious one but i guess in deeper leagues maybe not so i would i'm curious to know if you agree like i would take schwartz first but i think you probably want to make room for both of these guys because Cairo playing with ryan o'reilly and david perron is a really sweet spot and he obviously really capitalized yesterday yeah schwartz having a, a rough season so far just a 51 point pace but he's been reliably at least a 60 point player and as high as an 80 point player over the last several years except for one during which he had a six percent shooting percentage uh, Jaden Schwartz's shooting percentage right now, 6.7%. His shot rates are down a bit, which is a bummer, but I think there's room for him to regress in a good way to get some points back that he seems to be missing in his whole season point pace. So I'd still, until further notice, consider Jaden Schwartz to be, like, I'd consider him a 60-point pace guy, and I think, I don't know, this is crazy. I guess it's not crazy because we said it about uh, Carter Verhage, but I think I'm ready to say that Jordan Cairo is probably in that same neighborhood. Uh, his IBP is high, his shooting percentage is high, um, but that all has added up to a 63-point pace. So maybe he's more like a 55-point pace guy, but still definitely worth rostering in a lot, a lot, a lot of formats. And his ice time, having uh, started the year pretty low, he seems to have earned a top six role pretty consistently. The fact that he's still there says something. Well, I mean, yeah, that hasn't really been the story. Like, I almost feel like at this point, you can't really look at full season numbers for Kairou. Like, he was in the top six, doing great for a lot of the year. Then, just recently, like, the last couple of weeks, he went ice cold. Again, like I said, because he was bumped, and he was yeah. playing on a line with Mike Hoffman, which is apparently now, like, the worst thing you could have on St. Louis. So, but now he's back, right? So it's like, I don't know if I even want to project, like, 60-point pace, 50-point pace for Kairou moving forward. I'll say that, like, until he's off, like, while he's with Ryan O'Reilly yes. and David Perron, I think he's, like, a billion-point pace. Like, you just want him on your roster <laughs> like, yeah so i guess what i'm saying is when he's up there 55 60 point pace i think when he's not there uh, like don't bother is that fair? right okay yeah so i'll agree okay. with that but i'll say even maybe higher we're yeah we're, we're just we're just uh we're just apart by several 10 billions yeah <laughs> what, one thing you did mention in st louis by the way i don't know if you've caught it but the return of vince dunn as power play quarterback is upon us he oh uh he quarterbacked the four forward one defenseman unit that split time. Like you had Shen Schwartz and Tarasenko playing with Falk and Krug. And the other unit was Hoffman, Perron, O'Reilly, and Kairou playing with Vince freaking Dunn. This guy, like, just won't go away. He just keeps stealing power play minutes season after season. And uh, to his credit, he got a power play point in the last game. So maybe this holds. Like, this is his third straight game playing significant power play minutes. So I just wonder, like, he's always boring. This is the thing. He's like a Matt Grizzlick, except Grizzlick has started delivering. Um, Vince Dunn has never consistently delivered. He's still only 24 somehow, even though I feel like we've been talking about him taking power play minutes from, like, Alex Petrangelo for a decade. So uh, just keep that in mind, I guess. If you're desperate for a power play defenseman, Vince Dunn might provide some value, but he's never been someone that you can really rely on. 
Yeah, and also it's like clearly uh, St. Louis has been doing 50-50 for the last few games. Like we're seeing exactly around 50% for Dunn and Falk and Tori Krug over this three-game stretch. So, I mean, they've got the forwards to do it. Like they have the personnel. Like you said, it's like Shen, Schwartz, and Tarasenko on one unit, then Hoffman, Pirano, Riley, and Cairo on the other. So it makes sense to play them 50-50. And the- like in theory... Like, you want to have fresh players out on the ice for your power play and not just have, like, the same unit out for, like, one minute and a half out of the two minutes. So, I guess it makes sense. Yeah, good for Vince Dunn. We'll see if he can do anything. Two points in the last game, like you said. I'm, I wouldn't be overly optimistic for the reasons you also said. Okay, so over on Vancouver, I wanted to mention how, so Elias Patterson's still out. I don't even know when he'll be back. This is starting to turn into a potential Malkin situation where you have to wonder if he's going to have many games up for your fantasy season. In the meantime, the Canucks claimed the aforementioned Jimmy Vesey, who you were talking about how he wasn't able to capitalize in a good position on the Leafs. Well, the Canucks decided let's give him an equally great position on our team. Jimmy Vesey has been playing on a line with JT Miller and Jake Furtana at even strength and on the top power play with Miller, Horvat, Besser, and Quinn Hughes, at least in the two games versus the Habs on Friday and Saturday. And so, of course, Jimmy Vesey did a Jimmy Vesey. He had no point. He saw over 18 minutes in both of those games, uh, so he's in a good spot, but hasn't produced, just like that, exactly what's happened on the Leafs. Was there any interest? I already know the answer, so just tell everyone how you have no interest in Jimmy Vesey, and I can move on. I have no interest in Jimmy Vesey, and you can move on. Okay, so then I'm going to throw out uh, Nils Hoglander, though. He's someone that I'm kind of interested in Vancouver right now because of Pedersen being injured, so Vancouver only plays twice next week, but it's Monday, Wednesday, so you could stream Hoglander in, get those two games, and then swap him for someone else. He's on a three-game point streak right now, and he's playing on the top line with Horvat and Besser. So, I mean, that's a good spot. And he's producing. So what more do you want? That's the guy you stream in if you have room on Monday and Wednesday. Yeah, and then you drop after Wednesday because then it's a long way until Vancouver plays again. They don't play again until the following Monday, right? So get those Monday-Wednesday games in and then move on from Niels Hoglander. And then if Pedersen's still out, move back on to Niels Hoglander. Get him back in. Uh, And by the way, I'll throw another deep uh, Canuck guy out there. Tyler Mott was injured for a while, so he recently returned. He's done 11 hits in three games since returning from his injury, and even scored a goal yesterday versus the Habs. So if you want your peripherals, we already talked about Mackenzie Wegar for a straight-up hits play. Go grab Tyler Mott. And okay, let's end the show in Anaheim. How about Jamie Drysdale having a very successful start to his career on the Ducks? He was just drafted this past year, and in his first game on Anaheim, one goal and one assist as an 18-year-old, what a game. Like, and it was in a win. 3-2 to two win for Anaheim over Arizona. So welcome to the league, Jamie Drysdale. He had no points on Saturday, but he took three shots and saw a decent amount of power play time. Again, against the Coyotes. Uh, that game did not go as well. Arizona destroyed Anaheim, as you'd expect. Uh, but Brian, is Drysdale on your radar if you need a D? Like, maybe a good Dumba replacement if you're looking for a D to fill a void on your roster for the next few weeks? I guess so. I wouldn't go wild for the power play time, though, because he did play the bulk of it in Anaheim, but that was definitely just on the second unit. It was Drysdale and Shattenkirk on D, and then Henrique, Terry, and Trevor Zegras on front, like uh, like playing forward, obviously. Uh, like, my brain is breaking. This is what happens at the end of the show. But the top unit was clearly Getzlaff, Silverberg, Raquel, and Comptoir with Fowler quarterbacking. But that said... Uh, we know that the Anaheim power play hasn't been, like, wildly successful. Cam Fowler, three power play points in 32 games this season. Ouch. Kevin Shattenkirk, four power play points in 32 games this season. So you'd think, you would think that the door might be open for an 18-year-old Jamie Drysdale to make a bit of a mark. I think returns are great early on. Six shots over his first two games, like you mentioned. And he saw over 20 and a half minutes of ice time as an 18-year-old in his second NHL game, which tells me 
that the Ducks, hey, if if he can show them he's ready, it looks like they're ready to give him a good shot, or hopefully they're not just seeing what they have before putting him back on the shelf. So I would love to see more from Jamie Drysdale, and I'd love to see it on the power play if you're desperate for a power play quarterback. Elon, here's my take. If okay. I were choosing between Vince Dunn and Jamie Drysdale, I would choose Jamie Drysdale. Yeah, me too. And obviously in your dynasty leagues, you're loving it. You probably weren't even expecting to get any games from Jamie Drysdale this year. And now like you drafted him high and this is hopefully the start of a great career. Same for Trevor Zegras, by the way, who is on a three game point streak from his line with Adam Henrique and Troy Terry. So this like Ducks team, like, yeah, this year they still stink, but they're like exciting, right? They've got Drysdale and Zegras, you know, Troy Terry, Comtois, uh, like, I don't know. It didn't help them avoid getting stomped by Ranta and the Coyotes yesterday, but I'll be excited to see how Anaheim does next year. I think they're going to be the type of team that at some point soon, they're going to be fun to turn on your NHL Live and watch a Ducks game with all the exciting young players, but so far not this year. Uh, Okay, so Brian, that's all I've got for you this week. I've had a blast talking through the top 20 hottest players, according to Frozen Tools, and then a little news and notes at the end. I hope that the people listening to the show have enjoyed it. Uh, we'd love to get your feedback. So tweet at us at Keeping Carlson. You could also shoot us your fantasy advice questions. If you want to support the show, we'd love that five-star review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever it's called. Uh, you might think, like, eh, I don't feel like it. But it's like, it actually really helps us, and it's not that big a deal for you, hopefully. So if you don't mind, we would take that five-star review also if you really want to support the show and also get some hopefully very worthwhile perks consider uh, becoming a patron of keeping carlson we've got a really fun community going on over on discord where we're like giving each other fantasy advice people are able to ask questions create their own thread on our so we have a really cool threading thing where you make a new thread just for discussing your advice question plus we've got like game day chats like a couple talk okay it's a blast over on discord so check it out also we do our patron cast every week uh, show notes for the episode so if you're interested at all in that check out keep carlscom slash patron. Also, if you're looking for more content, usually we stop on a player that we've mentioned that Stream Scheme, that Davey Benton over at Stream Scheme is also talking about this week. This week, we haven't touched, Elon, we haven't even said the names of any of his streamers. So you're going to want to check that out this week to know who you might be able to fit into your schedule for an extra few points in fantasy contributions with the stream scheme. Check the episode notes to find that. Yeah, I love the stream scheme. I listen to it every week. I'm about halfway through today's episode before I had to stop and start recording this one. But I'll definitely hear it before I go to bed. All right, Brian. So I guess we can stop blabbing now. Uh, it's been fun talking to you, but it's time to cue that outro music. And why don't you all go ahead and read us the credits? All right. This episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dauber Hockey and powered by our patrons. Logo art by Brandon Weeb. Outro music from Pat Roach. This episode was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Pool, Dauber Prospects, Natural Statric, Evolving Hockey, Cap Friendly, Charting Hockey, HockeyGoalies.org. Actually, Charting Hockey is gone. I should take that out of here. Hockey oh. Reference, Hockey Viz, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, Roto World, and Yahoo. I mean, NB Sports, Fantasy Edge, and Yahoo. I really gotta, <laughs> I gotta edit these credits. Yeah, I guess. Well, I mean, we're, I'm assuming that these credits are the resources you use. I mean, they, like, I use them all. I clearly didn't use Charting Hockey this time. But I do, like, I go through the mental checklist in my head before I say each one. Use that, use that, use that. 
question. This yeah. is a lot of work to research this show. Yeah, uh, I'd like to think that we're one of the better research fantasy hockey shows out there, and I guess that's why you you must kind of agree if you're listening like a couple hours into this episode. So I'm gonna let everyone go home now. Good luck in fantasy this week. A lot of us are in our playoff stretches, needing a big week this week. So good luck to all of you. Unless some of you are against each other, then it's kind of tricky to wish you the best of luck. But I don't know. I hope everyone has a good time either way. Yeah, I hope everybody has a great week next week because fantasy hockey is for everybody.